Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you. Oh, hey, Cap. Glad you could make it. All this great foley work is the sound of me eating popcorn. I mean, it's. I can I get some? Oh, why is the bag? On your lap like that. Uh, oh, Cap, just just reach in. It's 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 actually pickle flavored popcorn. There's there's whole pickles in here. If you if you, is, yeah if you if you dig down deep enough, you get to the pickles. Why why is it so cold? <laughs> Maybe I don't, know. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> that was the bit was your idea, Cap. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's how so, they all start. Yeah. So the the idea here is that we are doing uh, so for the listeners at home. Oftentimes, we'll we'll come up with bits on the fly, <laughs> and the bit today is that we're doing a double feature of our Halloween episodes. Which, Ooh. right, exactly. And Cap was kind enough to join me in my. Uh, virtual space that for me takes place in a hotel room in Kansas city where I'm on a work trip. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the closet of that hotel room. And like every, and like any great podcaster, well, not even in the closet. I'm just going to, I'm just going to absorb the room echo with my body. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like any great podcaster, I travel with a full studio setup when I go out of town. That's how we do it. That was the deciding factor as to whether I would drive or fly. I chose to drove the eight t- <laughs> <laughs> I chose to drive the 18 hours to get here just so that I could record this episode with you. So this is a double feature Halloween special. Double feature Halloween episode, which means this episode is going to be like 14 hours long. It's going to be almost as long as my drive to Kansas City. So more boo for your buck. Hell yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a regular treat. <laughs> oh, No tricks here. Uh, and to be clear, I, I, I was actually eating dill pickle flavored popcorn from a place called Pop Culture in Kansas City, and it so is clever. absolutely phenomenal. Like I, I, I would fill a bathtub with this stuff and just rub it all over my body just so I could lick it off. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna open my mouth, and you just throw one in. All right, let's give it a go. Ow! Fuck! <laughs> my eye. <laughs> that didn't work at all. <laughs> So Cap's first appearance on the show was actually uh, our first Halloween special. So mm-hmm. and and then he was the he was the anchor that dragged Katie uh, Katie from Shrimp and Crits down with him in season two. So I wanted to make sure that we took this opportunity to revisit two of my favorite episodes and two episodes that I worked very hard on because one they tend to be a little bit longer and a little bit more complicated because of all of the extra audio engineering involved. So. In order to put all of that work on display for you, our listener, once again, to force you to listen to shit you've already listened to, <laughs> <laughs> I've remastered it. 
Sort of. Ooh. I'm not really. I'm not really doing anything to remaster it. I might rebalance the audio levels. That's that's about it. So we're going to start off with "Don't Spook Yourself," the OG. Cap, do you have a favorite bit from this? You know I do. There's a bit I that I will never forget until the day that I die, and then <laughs> Can I become guess? this bit. Go ahead. It's it's crime skeleton. It's crime skeleton. It's definitely crime. My skeleton. favorite superhero. <laughs> crime skeleton. <laughs> he solves crime. He solves crimes. But well. You listen to the episode. We're not going to spoil it for you. Yeah, like that'd be really shitty anything. for me to be like, "Hey, new listeners, I'm glad you could tune in. Here's a here's an episode from our archives. Here's what happens. Here's all the funniest stuff. Yeah, here's all of the <laughs> funniest stuff. No, I absolutely love this episode. Um, it was it was not free of controversy, however, because mm. we actually had a segment that was cut out from the original podcast, and I'm sure I have the audio lying around somewhere, and it will never come to light. Like all creatures of the dark. It will never come to the light. Um, but the ghost of Genghis Khan that we explored in the actually the episode after uh, the first Halloween episode was a retake on a topic that I personally, me individually, completely beefed when we were recording it originally. And I just did not like the way it turned out. I, I actually blocked it from my memory because of how just bad it was. Not as bad as digging up the corpse of Genghis Khan, apparently. <laughs> uh, so with that all being said, we now present to you. The first Don't Spook Yourself special. the delivery guy. Who is it? Some guy in a cape! I'm, so, I'm sorry, who are you? I am Drac. I, I mean, I am merely a traveler in the night. May I come in? We're actually recording our podcast right now. Oh. Oh, very interesting. Perhaps I might uh, indulge. May I come in? Uh, our show contains words and situations that might not be appropriate for young listeners. My youthful appearance disguises an old soul of exquisite taste and refinement. I must experience this podcast for myself. You must invite me. Yeah, not so fast. Our show is not for everyone. Each week we look into claims we find online, answer listener questions, and... And say bad words. I know many of these bad words. Words like... <coughs> and... And I want to suck your blood. Not all bad say that. Some eat fruit and bugs. It's a coin toss, really. No, ba- bad words. Bad like, um... Bad like... Yeah, I, I didn't think we'd call back to that, but it it's a good example. So are you coming in or not? Uh, you know, I, I just remembered I have something of grave importance to attend to. I must be off. Don't forget to rate us five stars and follow us on social media. Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do. But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. 
What do we know? What trips to telephones that are no different to you? Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan Placetti, and I am here to disentangle you from the dark, still beating heart of the internet. Uh, and I'm Matt Saints, and you didn't realize we had Pennywise the Clown here in studio. <laughs> <laughs> and who's that creeping up behind Matt and the camera? It's me, Cap. <laughs> oh! I thought I felt a little cap, cap, cap on my shoulder. <laughs> a little cap, cap, capping on your chamber door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who's Cap? I am a player, sometimes keeper, on the actual play podcast Shrimp and Crits. You can find me through the social medias for the show. We asked Cap to be on the show because every other week, Shrimp and Crits puts out a brand new episode of their show, which is currently, and currently they're using the play system Monster of the Week. It is kind of a comic horror podcast. <laughs> I know you're a D&D nerd. Have you, have you played Monster of the Week? Actually, I prefer Monster of the Week to Dungeons and Dragons. Hot take. Ooh, all your nerd friends are super pissed at you right now. <laughs> If you haven't noticed, we changed out our opening today. This is our Halloween special, hopefully an annual tradition moving forward. But that means that all the topics we're going to be addressing today are just a little bit spooky. So scary. They're scary. Yeah. Let's put a double disclaimer on this one. Not only are we going to be talking (laughs) about adult topics, but some of those adult topics are going to have monsters in them. They're going to be scary. They they could be monster buttholes, monster dicks. Don't bring John Hamm back up. Not allowed. (laughs) No, I no, wasn't actually, good, but now that you have, let's talk about it. No, no, I, <laughs> I'm putting John's ham hock into a shallow grave and burying it. That joke is dead because I really have trouble reconciling the ethics of talking about John's ham of all of all John's ham penises. That's it's like Surgeon's General. <laughs> I think you're doing a disservice by making a shallow grave. <laughs> it's going to have to be at least a ten inch grave. <laughs> struggle with the ethics of talking about a man's penis without his permission is that sexual harassment is it not sexual harassment so we're gonna bury john ham's penis in something and just forget about it (laughs) (laughs) so uh, matt would you describe the boxer briefs that facebook has recommended to you so i started listening to shrimp and crits and then immediately i got targeted ad for mothman boxer briefs (laughs) and these honestly look pretty nice they got the beating red eyes the mothman if you're unfamiliar with mothman is it's a real piece of american folklore i don't know if the fact that since I've been listening to the show, I get this ad or that I am dating someone who is half an hour away from Point Pleasant where Mothman resides. I like that you were willing to take this screenshot of this pair of this pair of underwear here with what looks to be 1% battery. (laughs) You really did it for the show and I appreciate you. I am nothing if not a gambler. Uh, I like, I live life on the edge cap. All right. I don't want (laughs) to... Were you in the woods? You have no service and no battery. I'm like, I'm a, I, I have a hatchet and like a torn $20 bill. And I'm like, hold on a second. I got to find food. But first, I got to send Ryan this fucking hilarious screen cap. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to kick us off on this spooky journey here, uh, I have a no stupid question, which if you're a new listener to the show and which we hope you are uh, welcome. Uh, every week or so, Ryan and I take questions uh, from Reddit, r slash no stupid questions. It may be the only place on the internet there are no stupid questions, I think, at this point. I, it's a supernatural effect, I think. So what what is the not stupid question that you brought to us today, Matt? So this one comes from user, it's either Snow Cauliflowers 2925 or 
snoo cauliflowers 2925. I like to think it's snoo, S-N-O-O. This isn't funny, but for your knowledge, snoo is the name of the Reddit icon, the little guy. I did not know that. Those are called snoos. Oh, we are dead to Reddit, I guess. We are, we are, we are simply, we're uncast. Nobody has to know. We are travelers. We are tourists exploiting Reddit for all of its gold and none of its culture. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he asks, or they ask, what would it take to actually prove the existence of ghosts? I know there's all these ghost hunter type TV shows with all their EMF readers and stuff, but what would it take for actual science to prove the existence of spirits? What kind of tools would be used? Uh, First question here. What if snoo cauliflowers 2925 is a ghost who doubts himself. Oh, he's trying to, how do I believe in my, <laughs> how do I believe in myself? Can science even prove that I exist? Uh, well, it's a good question. So I think the, the first to jump off this question, we have to answer the question, what is a ghost? You have to come up with a standard definition. Okay. What'd you come up with? Well, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Research. <laughs> <laughs> Making me do all the work here, right? So I would say a ghost is a spirit or a dead person that somehow can interact with the living world. Casper the Friendly Ghost, the movie in the 1990s, starring Christina Ricci. And the president from Independence Day. And the president from <laughs> Independence Day, Bill Was it Bill Paxton? Bill Pullman. Oh, uh, yeah. I get my Pullmans and my Paxtons mixed up, so thank you. Rest in Paxton, he died last a few years ago. Is Bill Pullman dead too? No, but Bill Paxton might be a ghost, is what I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's get him on the line. Yeah. <laughs> do a seance <laughs> I think that's a fair definition of the popular understanding of what a ghost is so ghosts interact through a variety of phenomenon you might have ghost sounds spectral images and uh, in the case of poltergeist physical what you're saying is that a ghost has to satisfy one of the five senses taste what does a ghost taste like I don't I, I mean in Ghostbusters there was a scene that that's right that's right well there's five senses it's umami Sour, salty, <laughs> bitter, Ecto- ectoplasm, 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 and spicy, which I, which Matt tells me is not a, not a taste, but that's okay. I can live with that. People can yeah. feel ghosts. They get brushed on the shoulder. They, they hear things. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Taste is the outlier here, but I think <laughs> with a little more research, we could probably find something. What I, I think what we're getting here to is that a, a ghost is someone or something that can affect the world or the simulation that, that, that we're living in, right? Like, And uh, my first hang up is if a ghost is from some forward beyond that can somehow reach back into our world, there should be a way humans can observe and record that and reproduce it in an experiment. Now, I guess the question is, do we have the technology? Uh, Before we get into that, that's a good question for the the evidence of ghosts. But I think how many people believe in ghosts, right? And this is actually kind of fascinating. Uh, Chapman University, there runs a yearly survey. They ask people in the United States about their beliefs in the paranormal. In 2018, over half agreed to the statement, places can be haunted by spirits. Okay. Over half. That's more people that that's more people than eligible voters who decided to go to the polls in the last election. <laughs> more, more people more people more people believe in a ghost than uh, voted for Hillary Clinton almost as much as <laughs> voted for Kanye right in 2016. Yeah. I thought it would yeah. be more. That's less than I thought. <clears throat> well, really? I think, like widely accepted. Well, I, I think if you ask the people the angels question, I think oh, angels yeah. actually mm. rate higher than ghosts because because they're better. Religious they're communities better. <laughs> are kind of on the fence about ghosts because there's a lot of people within certain religious denominations who would say that all ghosts are, in fact, demons trying to trick us. Yeah. Sure. Over half of those people and a one in five people in, in a Pew study 
said that they have been in the presence of a ghost. <laughs> we want to talk about the technology, right? There are certainly ghost hunting TV shows or people with so-called scientific equipment looking to record or measure spirit activity. And what I think is once you get numerous edited photos and videos, it doesn't really seem like evidence, right? It just seems like content that they're making to sell. I know I've mentioned this on the show and certainly on Twitter recently, I flexed my thermographic muscles for a shrimp and crits post. Oh, we know. <laughs> yeah. We know. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> My watch just buzz, buzz, buzz. You say that with such conviction. <laughs> You're like, oh, thank you. I, I felt the warmth of that moment. <laughs> uh, with, with a lot of the scientific equipment, they're designed for lab style settings or controlled settings with knowledgeable users. Yeah. And I cannot guarantee the credentials of people who are consider themselves to be professional ghost hunters, because to my knowledge, there is no certification process for that <laughs> uh, with a scientifically rigorous background. For example, thermal imagers, like uh, you can get thermal <laughs> reflections. If you point that thing at something that is uh, like a glossy surface, it could actually reflect back your own body heat at you. Oh, my um, God, a ghost. You mean a ghost. Right. So if you, <laughs> glass is actually a perfect reflector of thermal energy. Which means if you point that camera at a window, you're literally going to see a shape of a human being. And the human being you're seeing is you because it's like looking in a mirror. So there's a lot of things that people may not understand as they're using the equipment that could be misinterpreted as spectral activity. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think your equipment is only as scientific as the person using it. You may own the world's most sophisticated thermometer, but if you're trying to measure humidity, you're going to fuck it up, right? It's worthless. In these shows, they have Geiger counters, uh, EMF detectors, ion detectors, right? Infrared cameras with sensitive microphones on there. Can science, which deals with observing and describing our natural world, can they describe the supernatural slash metaphysical slash paranormal? Are you trying to tell me that the TikTok filter for finding ghosts is not going to uh, work for me? <laughs> no, no, that's true. That, okay, that one's true. Okay. Well, th that is true. That is true. That was true. Work, it's the yeah. only one. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if the ghosts are able to affect change in the world, then we should be able to see it and measure it with actual equipment, not just like shit some guy gets on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other factor is... A lot of this stuff is being made for television. Yeah, of course. And you're selling it. It's You're selling it. Yeah. yeah. So when you watch shows like Ghost Hunters, it's the same as when you tune into Ancient Aliens. So when uh, so when they go to a place like Gobekli Tepe and say, it is impossible for human beings to have constructed this at that point. It's like there are actual archaeological explanations for why this monumental architecture is occurring in ancient times. They're just not interviewing experts. And I have to tell you, I've been to Alien Con like two or three times now. It is an experience. <laughs> I'm not saying aliens don't exist. I'm just saying that there's a rational explanation for how human beings came up with the idea of pyramids. It turns out <laughs> that's the best way to stack rocks. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, yeah. If I were devising a way to pile rocks on top of each other, I think I'd stumble across a pyramid pretty quickly. <laughs> well, we see how good the, the English did it with, uh, what's it called? The Stonehenge, Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah, that's a little little less than pyramids. But No, that was definitely okay, aliens, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one, that was alien ghosts. I did see uh, recently, there was an article that says, we now know what we now know what the Stonehenge is made out of. And I was like, yeah, rocks. <laughs> it's yeah, no, rocks. No, no, no shit, <laughs> right? Rocks. We're kind of dancing around it. But if you guys heard of table turning, this, uh, this phenomenon in the 19th century in England and the United States. Yes. No. They would do seances and then the table would turn or physically or physically lift or you would hear knocks in the in the ceiling, knocks from the floor. 
Absolutely. You hit table turning on the head. It's a seance. But Michael Faraday came up with, with an experiment that disproves uh, table turning is real. What he did is he took two tables and stacked them on top of each other with insulated one with the other from with rubber and ball bearings. He had people touch the top table and he says, OK, if there's a ghost here, go ahead and move the table. What you would expect is the bottom table to turn and not the top one. But what happened was the, the top table was moving first and then the bottom one saying that, OK, this is actual people unconsciously turning the table with their hands. It's not unlike how a Ouija board works. Like light light is a feather stiff as a board. Exactly. Okay. I think that gets back to the, the fundamental question that I think a lot of skeptics use is that it's not the burden to prove that it's not real. It's the burden to prove that it is real. You know, when you're trying to talk about how can we prove it's real? You need to rule out every other single explanation first. So that's really difficult to do. But speaking of physical evidence for ghosts, I ran across a post on Reddit. This is a screenshot of a Tumblr post uh, from user Pipistrellus, which happens to be thematically on point for this week's Halloween episode. A Pipistrellus is actually a kind of bat. Oh, I did not know that. Happy Halloween, guys. Scree! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, um, uh, for those who haven't done the math, Matt and I were both in that skit at the beginning of the episode. The person playing our Dracula was, in fact, Cap. So kudos to you. I hope you get a daytime (laughs) Emmy this year. Thank you so much. In the post, it talks about going to a local site with a memorial dedicated to submariners that indicates that more than 3,000 sailors are, quote, still on patrol. Then the user states that this implies the existence of thousands of World War II submarine ghosts, which is... Kind of fun to think about. I looked into this claim, and in fact, the Navy does have a tradition of denying the deaths of of submariners (laughs) um, in a way. So there are a number of submarine memorials, generally in coastal areas. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Navy. There are a couple submarine memorials. There's one. uh, The West Coast site for America's World War II submarine memorial is in Naval Weapons Station Seal Beach. It was dedicated in 1977 after a five-year search for a suitable location by a veterans group. Hmm. Brighton, Connecticut is home to the Naval Submarine Base, New London, and they have the East Coast location for the memorial. And there's also a smaller memorial in the San Diego area. Uh, Both the East Coast and the West Coast sites have eternal patrol plaques, which basically state that 52 submarines and 3,000 plus sailors are still on patrol. They do, however, acknowledge that those Navy personnel died. So the Navy itself is not perpetuating the idea that there are ghost ships out there plying the seas and presumably protecting all dead Americans from dead Japanese zero fighters or destroyers. (laughs) But in spite of that, there is a uh, there is a rich history of nautical spectral ships, the Flying Dutchman. Have you guys seen Pirates of the Caribbean? The first one, maybe. I yes. haven't seen any of them. Okay. Well, the uh, the Flying Dutchman's actually really interesting. So it, it first appears in the written record as early as 1790. The Flying Dutchman originally is said to have been a ship that encountered bad weather off the coast of the Cape of Good Hope. And, and in later myths, they started adding on things like uh, the captain made a deal with the devil and, and so forth throughout literature. Famously on the television program, SpongeBob SquarePants. The Flying Dutchman is uh, in there quite often with its ghost captain. Yep. Oh, what's the name of the ghost captain on that? I think they call him the Flying Dutchman. Oh, they call him the Flying Dutchman because by the mid-1800s, they actually identify a captain named Vanderdecken as the person who made a deal with the devil or made a 
some sort of boast that the devil was like, oh, yeah, I'll take you on that one. I think he just challenged him to a fiddle competition in Georgia is what he did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kind of pissed off that the Pentagon doesn't have a secret Navy ghost funding program. (laughs) (laughs) So in the case of spectral ghost ships like the Flying Dutchman, there are actually some scientific explanations for that to speak to your earlier point, Matt. So in that case, you have an observed phenomenon, which is in some cases like the Flying Dutchman. It's called the Flying Dutchman because it's said to be floating above the water. So that's not the actual name of the vessel. That's the name given to the vessel by the sailors who have witnessed this phenomenon. The name was just the Dutchman. No, it's a Flying Dutchman. (laughs) 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 There's that Dutch bastard over there just flying around, (laughs) making (laughs) deals with the devil. Uh, But there are some scientific explanations. Uh, They're sometimes called the Superior Mirage or a Fata Morgana, which is a beautiful Arthurian allusion to the witchly sister of King Arthur. Oh, the more you know. Morgana Le Fay. Of course you would know. (laughs) Yeah, we've had dealings. So a Fata Morgana is actually a kind of mirage caused by light being cast typically at an angle through air of different temperatures, which can distort the path of light, causing perfectly mundane objects like, say, a ship on the horizon to appear to float or change shape. That's offensive to ships. Mundane. I think a ship is kind of badass in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Mundane is in not magical. (laughs) Not flying. Oh, oh, gotcha. But what's interesting is that the term ghost ship is actually also used to describe derelict ships. This is your chance to say derelict by balls. Derelict by balls. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and again. Ships do wash ashore or get discovered at sea without any crew or with the crew completely deceased. Yeah, yeah. So some cool examples of that. Some some cool examples of everybody <laughs> dying on a ship. It's not uncommon. Sea travel is extraordinarily dangerous. And better part of the last thousand years was the best way to cover long distances for both trade purposes and travel. An interesting example of this uh, would be, say, the 1871 whaling disaster. Off the coast of Alaska in 1871, uh, there was a fleet of whaling ships. So there was an unseasonable change in weather. The ice closed in and blocked uh, and blocked off their exit. As the ice moves in, it catches ships. The ships get crushed. Whoa. The crews had to abandon ships. So 33 vessels get stuck in this. Oh, man. The crews of these vessels, they were able to walk across the ice and they were rescued by seven whaling vessels that didn't get trapped. It's said that one one man decided to stay behind on the uh, Massachusetts, which was one of the ships, in order to essentially claim the cargo because he would have salvage rights at that point. Huh. Some of the ships were later recovered. They, they survived the ice. The ice thawed and... They were out, but most of the ships were destroyed in the process. Of course, the string musician stayed on to play a final song. (laughs) He's just like, I'm not leaving. Captain, you can go, but I'm going to play this one out. (laughs) I just want to see where it's going. What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But derelict ghost ships are something that continues into modern times. So the MV Alta was constructed in 1976. It was on a journey between Greece and Haiti when its engines failed. The crew was rescued by the Coast Guard, and the ship was left adrift. What year was this? Uh, 2018. Okay. Okay. So the the ship was left adrift. It was spotted in 2019 uh, south of Bermuda. Wow. Yeah, then it ends up washing ashore uh, during Superstorm Dennis in 2020 in Cork County, Ireland. That does sound like a ghost ship if I've ever heard one. It went to the Bermuda Triangle and everything. It went on vacation. So for for two years, this thing was lost at sea? Yeah. Wow, that's kind of crazy. 
It happens, but think about it. Like, if you have to abandon ship because a ship is, in this case, old and not salvageable. Since the Earth is our trash can, we just let it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do with everything else we in our world. Just poke some holes in it, let it go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Throw into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> How would you feel if you were the Coast Guard in Ireland and the ship is just slowly approaching... And then it's getting faster and it's not answering any radio signals. <laughs> like, I would get my holy water and my crosses ready because I've read Dracula. True. You got to invite him in, right? If, if this was a U.S. Coast Guard, they would just bomb the shit out of it. They would, absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of Dracula, we have a question from our Am I the Asshole? <laughs> that is one of my favorite forums because, surprise, it's full of very interesting people who may or may not be the asshole. Very interesting people like yeah. you, gothic vampire brat. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's it, it's on theme for the show, so I like it already. <laughs> they are a self-described 23-year-old woman who is getting married next Halloween, so we still have time to help. This is only a three-month-old post. <laughs> there are days between the airing of this episode and this wedding where you, our listener, can intervene on this person's behalf and let them know whether they're being the asshole. They want to throw a royal vampire ball-themed wedding. I would go to that. So if you know a gothic vampire bride, please let them know to listen to the show. Recently, her family has complained that it's tacky to dress up and that this is a stupid idea. She thought it would be fun and great for photos. Now, All how right. many, what percentage of weddings do you think are themed? Too high. It, whatever it is, is too many. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to a themed wedding? I never have, but I totally would go to one. Not because I want to go to one. It would, just, it would just be for the experience. I want to see how crazy it would get. I'm absolutely for this. I am 100% on board. I don't like dressing up in costumes, but I would do it for a themed wedding, especially if the theme was fun. What would you go as in, if, in for this theme? Royal vampire? Oh, I'd probably a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I would be a vampire, but I'll have a crown and a scepter. <laughs> if you really want to be that asshole, you show up as a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> so... The last time somebody has ranked this was in 2016, and it was a website called The Knot. I think everybody stopped caring when Trump got elected in 2016. <laughs> but 25% <laughs> of couples incorporate some sort of customized theme into their wedding. So, wow. Okay. Uh, on average, you go to four weddings, one of them should be a themed wedding. One of them should be themed. Well, I mean, my wedding technically had a theme and it was we're not going to spend a lot of money on this. Every wedding I go to, uh, the theme is drunk because that's what I get every time I go to a wedding. <laughs> Matt, Matt shows up in costume. <laughs> yeah. I learned from your 22nd episode that Atlanta is actually the ninth most popular city for vampires. So I'm surprised I haven't been to a vampire that's right. wedding. Proof of life that you actually do listen to our show. I appreciate it. I, I, I used your show as research to be on your show. <laughs> Uh, we've just ouroboros this entire concept. I gotta say, I don't think she's the asshole at all. I think her family sounds like assholes. The people who say this is tacky exactly. is an asshole. The person who said your wedding idea is tacky, you're an asshole. Yeah. Yes, they are the asshole. Now, what I love about this, though, is that typically on Am I the Asshole, they say either you're the asshole, not the asshole, or everyone sucks. And this has been rated as everyone, everyone sucks, <laughs> which is perfect for vampires. <laughs> That's hilarious oh, oh there you go yeah <laughs> because this person is obviously not the asshole it's their wedding yeah they get to choose the theme and guess what if you don't want to participate in the theme 
either have a frank heart to heart conversation, heart to unbeating heart conversation <laughs> with the bride and say, hey, I don't feel comfortable showing up in costume. However, I would love to attend your wedding. Is that OK? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me pitch you this. Let me pitch you this. You go buy a bulk thing of plastic vampire teeth. You have your wedding party dress up as vampires. And throughout the course of the wedding, okay. they change other people into vampires by like using a marker or something like that. You turn it into a game and then you give them some plastic vampire teeth and boom, they are in costume. Party favors right there. Party favors. I love this idea. Thank you, Cap, for being the peacemaker. I think you could take it a step forward and have one person dress up as like Van Helsing or Blade. And really just get in there and maybe just don't tell the priest that's marrying you at all. Do not mention it. Who officiates a royal vampire ball wedding? I would bring a, a legitimate priest I would bring in. 100% a Catholic priest in. Not tell him a single thing. And they're standing there with the rosary and just like... <laughs> Hopefully it's not an outdoor wedding because that just ruins the whole thing. A daytime wedding? It can't be a daytime wedding. If you're doing a royal vampire ball-themed wedding, it has to be at night. And you know what, though? That that sucks for the photographer because now you're like, oh, okay. nobody's going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> the easiest photography wedding job ever. Here's a photo of your venue. Here's a photo of a field. <laughs> but yeah, the best part about a royal vampire wedding is that you could literally show up dressed however you want. You throw in those fake teeth. Now you're a fucking vampire. Yep, yep. Or you just throw, like, get something to throw on for a cape or go buy a Seinfeld pirate shirt and put it under your suit and you're there. That's like, that's all you need for a Oh, pirate. that's right, the, the, pu the puffy <laughs> shirt, right? The puffy shirt. Yeah, I showed yeah, up in my yeah. puffy shirt and I had to wait for the wedding party exactly. to turn me into a vampire. But then when I did, I took my jacket off. Boom! Oh, vampire. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, boom! <laughs> I would wear... I would... <laughs> I would wear the the Seinfeld puffy shirt and say that I'm a uh, ghost submariner sailor from a from a from you're, a you're ghost a, on a turtle watch. I think is what. Yeah, still I'm, on I'm still on patrol. I'm still on patrol. Yeah, but while you're on patrol, maybe you could come across maybe another asshole that I think you wanted to talk about, Matt. Oh yeah, that's right. So this is just a fun topic. Uh, it, it, it's it's kind of Halloweeny because it involves sharks and shark attacks and Australians uh, and tricking people for sure. Which <laughs> and Australians actually, you know, you are in the uh, you're in the first few episodes of Shrimp and Crits, so you know the importance of shark attacks in that universe. Absolutely, uh, Cap. Would you like to explain the importance of shark attacks in the Shrimp and Crits universe? How can we describe Sheriff Donnie Terrence? He's a Southern police sheriff who uh, doesn't quite have all his marbles. Uh, he blames just about anything that goes <laughs> on in the town of Gullicochka on shark attacks, whether they happen in the forest or like a motor vehicle accident. <laughs> Most everything is going to be blamed on shark attack. And he's a uh, yes, he's Floridian. Yes, the whole right? show takes place in Florida, so he sounds like an actual Florida sheriff. Oh, meth lab exploded shark attack. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who's been dealing all this cocaine? The sharks. <laughs> the either the sharks or the jets. Take your pick. <laughs> Oh, uh, the there you jokes. go. There you go. Uh, but tell us about your shark attack story, Matt. Yeah, well, a Western Australian man caught a great white shark. Talking about being an asshole, he removed the location tag and set off fake warnings all throughout Western Australia. An Australian catching a great white shark is just like someone in the South noodling for catfish, right? They just put their arm down there and pull one out. <laughs> I think yeah. <laughs> that's I, not I, a no, yeah, that's not a shark. That's a shark. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
I love the idea of this guy catching the shark barehanded, wrestling him and stealing his tag and then releasing him to the wild. <laughs> yeah. It, it does not say what, how he caught the fucking shark, but Jesus, he caught a great white shark. That's kind of crazy, right? That feels illegal. <laughs> yeah, it does feel illegal. Well, so it's funny is that he took the transponder and he thought, <laughs> you know, like he must have had one too many fosters with his friends. And then he um, went around to set off buoys that detect the, the tags in the waters off of coast of Albany several times between August and September of this year. <laughs> he was charged with one count of stealing. That's it. <laughs> And two counts of giant testicles for catching a great white shark. Yeah, no shit, right? Yeah, yeah. And getting your hand close enough to pull something off of it. <laughs> what I think is that one of the funniest things about this is the government of Western Australia has a $5 million budget for mitigating shark hazards. <laughs> That's fair, though. What are they going to do about crazy? those goddamn jellyfish, though? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I just read with the advent of climate change, jellyfish are kind of exploding in oceans, but also with sharks. There was one that was spotted off Cape Cod the other day. When you say real- exploding, you mean population explosion, not literally exploding jellyfish, right? They're exploding jellyfish. It's like a shark native. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The last thing I'll say about this shark thing is that, again, the government of Western Australia, they have a targeted shark tagging program. It's actually been highly effective. Uh, 51 sharks have been captured and released since 2019, not including the this guy who stole the tag. <laughs> that one was caught twice. Uh, so there's two things that I love about this. One, the Scooby-Doo villain-esque <laughs> idea of scaring, scaring beachgoers away using a great white shark tag. And two, uh, and this is perhaps the most Halloween-y element of it, uh, by virtue of removing that shark tag, unless he killed the shark, that means there's a rogue great white out there that's not setting off their fucking alarms. <laughs> Holy shit, I, I didn't, I did not even think of that, but you're right, someone's gonna act, oh my god. <laughs> you just created a stealth shark. <laughs> uh, well, much like that shark, this guy is guilty. <laughs> Hopefully one of those submarine goes to take it out. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Uh, some kid's going to die now because of this fucking asshole. Well, you know, they charged him with stealing. So, yeah, yeah. I, I keep imagining with all these uh, submarine ghosts that World War Three is going to be like the end of Lord of the Rings <laughs> where Aragorn goes and gets that ghost army. And we're just going to raise all of our still on patrol soldiers to fight eternal war. Speaking of ghosts, <laughs> I believe you had a topic for us, Cap. I do. I, w- I want to set the scene for you, too. Imagine it's 1930. And imagine that you've been accused of a crime. Nothing too serious, because you both seem great. Well, and you're led by the arresting officer into a pitch black room and left in there alone. Okay, so in this scenario, have Matt and I both been arrested? Because I'm definitely rolling on him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, luckily, you'll have the chance to roll on him when the animatronic skeleton begins barking at you. What? And what I'm here to talk to you about today is the crime skeleton, or as U.S. Patent 1749090A calls it, the apparatus for obtaining criminal confessions and photographically recording them. I was like, first of all, I was like, oh my God, I'm in prison, or I'm got arrested, something bad's about to happen. Wait, I, I'm getting a free show. Like, <laughs> What I love about this topic is that it's bringing us full circle back to where we started. Because at the beginning of the episode, we were talking about scientific ways to prove that ghosts exist. But now we're talking about scientific ways for ghosts to prove that we exist. (laughs) (laughs) For ghosts to prove that we have committed crimes. All right. So tell us about this amazing patent. Uh, This was a post that it, it seems to be from a Tumblr page. 
originally posted by my good babushka but all right this uh you can see diagrams online if you type in that patent code it's all available freely this was patented <laughs> in 1930 by a woman named helene adelaide shelby what i find most interesting about helene is that she was a real estate mogul Never invented anything else, no other patents ever. <laughs> but in 1927, she decided that criminals were uh, recanting their confessions in court, saying they were under duress. And for some reason, she decided that... To make them all under duress. To make them all under duress <laughs> even more by using an artificial skeleton. So you would go into this dark room, and there would be this diaphanous veil hanging over the skeleton that would begin to light softly from beneath and above. Behind the other side of a wall would be an operator who would then speak through a megaphone that is in the skeleton's <laughs> mouth, and its eyes would light red and blink when it was asking questions, which I think was to hide the camera taking pictures. So, this is a real Wizard of Oz this situation. This is a Wizard of Oz situation. <laughs> she had cameras in the skull and a megaphone in the skull. It would light from behind this curtain, so it, would, it wanted to look like an astral form, like it was a projection of your own guilt in this dark room. And oh her theory was God. that criminals would confess all of their sins to this crime skeleton, and they would record the audio and record pictures of them speaking and use it in court against them. Question this immediately. The premise of this would seem to indicate that there are thousands of confessions every year at America's many haunted houses. <laughs> Locally in Philadelphia, we actually have the East State Penitentiary. Oh, which puts on a haunted house every year, famously haunted, and also briefly held uh, gangster Al Capone. Oh, wow. But under this logic, just the, the, the mere appearance of this should elicit criminal confessions, and then we could lock them right up in the penitentiary. And I've worked in a haunted house before. <laughs> Nobody has ever confessed their sins to me when I jumped out and scared them. <laughs> the Did sin you, is working at I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it sounds fun. It does sound fun. <laughs> I just went to one uh, a few weeks ago, actually. It's pretty good. That, that was actually a royal vampire wedding. <laughs> oh, man. I, I would totally go to one, yeah. This... This... Invention of the crime skeleton was never built, but I looked hard in the patents. There's patents for every piece of machinery that goes into this, but nothing for it. the skeleton itself. And I'm wondering if they wanted to use a real skeleton or a fake skeleton. I don't even know. There's nothing in the patent about Ooh. the skeleton itself, and I'm very interested. So I think that they would probably, it's the 1930s, they would probably source a skeleton in unsavory ways. Now, while this is post- Resurrection Man era, where people were like robbing graves to supply medical schools with autopsy cadavers, yeah, with with cadavers, yeah. While it is post Resurrection Man, it is certainly not after the filming of, uh, and I think we talked about this on the show before. The first Poltergeist film actually oh, yeah. used real skeletons they in the yep. had human bones. Yeah, they used real skeletons in the uh, scene where they they started popping up, and Craig T. Nelson was fucking terrified, and they stole those corpses from India. Oh, and by stolen, I mean purchased, purchased legally from a certified vendor of human corpses. Oh, wow. my God. Jeez. Were they, were they fair trade? <laughs> I, I, I certainly hope so. Organic. I think if this crime skeleton were built today, they would just use the Home Depot oversized one. You can the 12 foot tall skeleton. <laughs> yeah, that's what they should use. They should use. I mean, yeah. I think this is like the most pandemic safe way to interact with other people is through the crime skeleton. <laughs> if you're getting groceries or at the bank or like confessing sins to a priest, they should hide behind the crime skeleton. What if instead of using like a standard crime skeleton for every single criminal that comes in? 
what if we only use this for capital crimes and use the actual corpse of their victim? Or if they cater to their own specific worst fear. And then, now you're talking about Pennywise. From now Pen- I'm talking about Pennywise. Or <laughs> Scarecrow from the Batman franchise. That's true. Oh, that's true. That's true. Who, by the way, is a PhD, so you should probably listen to what he has to say. It sounds he like would, the person um, who would build the crime skeleton as well. <laughs> I, I can imagine the skeleton. No way. <laughs> Put him in front of the crime skeleton. <laughs> That's my best Batman. That was good. <laughs> I just love the ingenuity behind this. I think uh, we should put Helene Adelaide Shelby in the history books for this one. I just wish I had a crime skeleton for my house. I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. And... <laughs> When it comes time to find out who spilled paint on the carpet, I think the crime skeleton could probably get to the bottom of it. <laughs> you can do it up for the holidays. It could be like the uh, skeleton on the shelf, you know. Skelly on the shelly. Yeah. Skelly on the shelly. <laughs> Don't do any sins in front of the skelly on the shelly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That, that, that got me scared, man. Got me. And I know you're not a skeleton. <laughs> I couldn't find if the megaphone had any distortion on it or if you were just hearing some California guy. Because this was well, the 1930s. California. I don't know that they had distortion. Hey, Mac. Hey there, Sonny. What'd you do? <laughs> oh, so everyone's got the transatlantic accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey there, Mac. What, did you do this crime? I know you did. He's got moxie. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan already told us the truth. <laughs> it's just in. If you don't tell me your crimes, you're going straight to hell. Ah, oh. Like the penguin from Batman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Probably a little bit less Wizard of Oz and a little bit more Necromancer of Oz. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> How much to build one of these, man? I want to see a working one. I'm sure we could find you the price of that patent. Start a GoFundMe. Build a crime skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> It's in 1930, which means the patent's probably expired. So we're probably not going to get sued if we actually start producing a crime skeleton, right? <laughs> what if we What if we didn't tie this to crime? What if we just uh, What if we made like a, a skeleton barista? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it's perfect for the world we live in today. It, it was the uh, Supreme Court that uh, ruined the crime skeleton for everybody in 1961. When they ruled that coerced confessions were not admissible in court, putting the crime skeleton buried in the ground for good. If you choose to confess your crimes to a skeleton with glowing red eyes, that's not coercion. That's just you being unnaturally afraid of a perfectly <laughs> normal haunted skeleton. Oh my gosh. <laughs> with the voice of a transatlantic cop. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of sins that need to be confessed, uh, I have a feeling Matt's going to have a meeting with the crime skeleton after he uh, shares his next topic with us. Uh, well, I, 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 I... The crime skeleton in this case would be manipulated by his loving partner, Elise. Uh, I want to say that I cleared this topic before, but I didn't. And so let's get into it and then I'll, we'll explain it. There's a meme, this photo here. Uh, it says, Source Mythologie du Vampire. It's a, sci-fi, a French sci-fi show. Um, and it's a redhead with piercing blue eyes, a woman, young woman, and she has like Photoshop fangs on. It's pretty terrible. Uh, and it says, according to Greek mythology, redheads become vampires after they die. So let's get a little bit into the first claim here. Um, Again, I live with a redhead. The first claim that they become vampires after they die is false in real life. They are vampires from birth. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll say this at the, the bottom of the meme, though, it says uh, in in medieval times, Romanians believe redheads with blue eyes were vampires. And this is actually true. This is kind of getting into a race of vampire called the Strigoi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Strigoi's are Eastern Slavic European vampires. They're typically women are t- typically younger. They're typically more fit. They're redhead with pale blue eyes and they have more freckles than other redheads, which is how you can pick them out in a lineup. Sounds like people are just jelly. Yeah, that's really what it was. I feel like in the Greek mythology, they like set people on fire thinking they were vampires. So imagine how scared redheads were in the world just running around thinking, man, I hope they don't think I'm a fucking vampire today. (laughs) It has its pros and cons. A pro, you know, it's kind of cool. Con, you could get fucking burned at the stake. You know, I don't know. I'm going to weigh those options. My favorite part about the medieval hunt for witches and vampires and shit like that is like things are fine until they're not fine. Yeah, they're like, we we need to have a really uh, stake the heart conversation. (laughs) (laughs) If you know what I mean. You've been living in this town for 27 years without incident. And you're, but I had bad harvest this year, so... And you haven't... You gotta go. And you, you've been in this town for 27 years, and you haven't aged. You're a fucking vampire. <laughs> I saw you at that royal vampire ball wedding. They, they just call them weddings, right? Someone's like, oh, I don't have to dress, I don't have to dress up. Like, just, yeah, way to stigmatize a uh, so our redheads vampires, you know, uh, until after they die, I think we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, does Elise have a will? And if so, does it stipulate the manner of her burial? Because if she stipulates cremation, then maybe that might be an admission of guilt. Ooh, time to bust up the crime skeleton in the Casa de Saint thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in my way. Um, you know, uh, if she has a, uh, last will and testimony, I'm guaranteed I'm not in it. So I have no fucking idea. (laughs) (laughs) Why is this will so old and written in Victorian English? Oh, this is so weird. (laughs) (laughs) However, now it says in medieval times, Romanians believe that redheads with blue eyes were vampires. I believe Elisa's eyes are brown. They are brown. I believe they are brown too. Context. <laughs> is it because they're so rare? Because redheads with blue eyes are just extremely rare, correct? Is that where this myth came from? About 2% of the world's population are redheads. Hold on, my tinnitus is kicking in. Just a second. Yeah, but I'm not sure how familiar you are with tinnitus, but every now and again, people who are in the military will just get a... It's like a whistle tone. Sure. You share, you share that with uh, metalheads. That's the least patriotic way to get... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> My closest friend is in the Marines and is a blue-eyed redhead. Oh, enough! And he's been in the Marines for like hundreds of years. It's weird. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. He can't die. They tried. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's, you know what's crazy about that? After hundreds of years of life, still can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> you got oh, that one's from that one's from my dad. Who's <laughs> who also can't read because he's a marine. <laughs> okay. Speaking of undead things, I came across a uh, a claim on Reddit in the R slash zombies survival attacks subreddit. Ooh. Very niche. Yeah. This comes from username Boo B W. So it's not Halloween. Boo. Theme. It's not Halloween. It's Boo. Theme. It's Boo. It's 
Bew. It's it's like a boo. It's like a bougie. It's like, it's ghost like pew pew, pew pew, but it's bew bew bew. Yeah, it's bew 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 seven two three. And the question is why does? Or, well, actually, it's more of a statement because it ends in a period. But it says why does Amazon? Okay, it starts with the word why, ends with a period. That's not that fair. Is what it you is. know what? Throw it out. We're not even going to talk about this. Throw now. it out. We're not covering the topic. <laughs> uh, but why does Amazon Web Services, in their terms of agreement, mention zombies? Uh, read 42.10. It's 100% real. Anyone can find Ooh, it. Ooh, well, sounds like a fucking nerd who reads everything he clicks, the updates and shit like that. Spoiler alert. I happen to be anyone. I found it and I looked into the history. So <laughs> what happened was in 2016, Amazon released Lumberyard, which is a video game engine. <clears throat> it's designed to compete with Unreal and other engines that, that would be used to create video games. In the terms of service, 4210 says uh, basically that you can't use this for any life critical activities, whether that be like, you know, pacemakers, heart monitors, okay. ambulance dispatches, or any uh, like military use in live combat. It's essentially an indemnity clause saying, we don't want you to use this for anything that could cause somebody's death. It's a video game engine. Don't take it that seriously, gotcha. please. Okay, okay. All right, so you could use it for, say, military training as long as people's lives aren't on the line. However, this restriction will not apply in the event of the occurrence certified by the United States Centers for Disease Control or Successor Body of a widespread viral infection transmitted via bites <laughs> or contact with bodily fluids that causes human corpses to reanimate and seek to consume living human flesh, blood, brain, or nerve tissue, and is likely to result in the fall of organized civilization. That well, is so specific. It is very specific. If society is going to collapse, what makes you think the CDC is going to be around to say anything? Or a successor body. And the successor <laughs> body could just be a group of people huddled around a, <laughs> a VW van in a zombie post-apocalyptic world. <laughs> so what I think is really interesting about this is, one, it has to be certified by the CDC or a successor body. But they have a caveat there. It's like it's not just if zombies attack or if there is a zombie viral outbreak. It has to be likely to result in the fall of organized civilization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's a double caveat. Not only is it like it's fine if you use it for a life saving or life critical purpose, as long as there's a zombie outbreak. But that zombie outbreak has to be likely to. In other words, if you can take them to court for it failing to preserve somebody's life then you can't use it for that. And it's a nice catch-all clause. So what what I love about it is that you can have a little bit of a zombie outbreak. You just can't have one that's going to collapse society. Oh, we got a we got a regional zombie outbreak in Seattle right now, which is totally fine. Yeah, don't use, don't use it. Don't use it. Don't use it. Yard. But if it. Don't use but it. But if they're like, oh, hey, the zombies now control Omaha to Seattle. So I'm like, all right, you might be able to use this. You might be able to use this. And I live... <laughs> A few miles down the road from the CDC, is that good or bad for me? You'll be the first one to hear that it's okay to use Amazon's Lumberyard <laughs> services Perfect. for life critical life activities. activities. <laughs> Real quick, if we're examining this claim, one, it is absolutely 100% correct. Awesome. Amazon does have this in the terms of service for the AWS Lumberyard materials and user license agreement. Two, why is it there? Because some guy was fucking around. He was like having fun. Someone at Amazon has a sense of humor. Is it an Easter egg or do they know too much? Oh, that's fair. Like what's Amazon? What's Amazon aware of? What like, does the they have Z their own stand space for program. in their logo? <laughs> From A to Z. What is that? From asshole to zombies. That's what Amazon is. <laughs> that's how this episode has gone too. Coincidence? <laughs> oh, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Cap just dropping in to drop bombs. <laughs> I do love it. I do love it. All right. So why does this exist? Why is it in there? And I think the answer is simple. This text was first identified in the press in 2016, immediately after Lumberyard Materials launched. Which means it was probably leaked because nobody's reading the yeah. end user license agreement. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Which means somebody at Amazon probably leaked it to the press and then they wrote stories about it. Uh, they wrote stories about it. It's like a it's guerrilla marketing campaign. It's a guerrilla marketing campaign. Totally makes sense, especially when you consider their target user, which is people designing video games. All to cover up that Jeff Bezos is a necromancer. <laughs> <laughs> a space necromancer now. Yeah, right. He's he's become too powerful. <laughs> he's a he's a cosmonancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that that would be different. That'd be somebody who casts spells having to do with space, Matt. Learn your Greek roots, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the implications here? Uh, there there really aren't any. It's just a way to gin up attention for their new program. The CDC actually did something pretty uh, similar in 2011 when they put out a zombie survival guide, which just so happened to have tips that would also be useful in other disaster situations. <laughs> uh, but I think we had one final topic related to a classic Hollywood monster. It is a barn burner. I, I'm so it happy. Is, uh, <laughs> if you want to go I'm ahead so and stop the podcast this. now, that's fine. <laughs> we can't stop the podcast now. This next topic could probably be an episode in its own right. Okay. Okay. Well, from the depths of no stupid questions are no stupid questions. There are literally no stupid questions there. It's impossible. By some Luciferian <laughs> bargain, it somehow becomes not stupid. You meet at a crossroad. There's a man there. He's wearing a hat. You can only see his eyes underneath the brim of his fedora, and they're glowing red. You shake his hand, and the question you ask him becomes immediately not stupid, as if by magic. Surprise, it's the crime skeleton with his glowing red <laughs> eyes. <laughs> and you're going to jail. <laughs> so this is from user Stoner Popeye, who I imagine finished cans weed. So Matt has a Reddit account that he hasn't told anybody about. <laughs> if a female werewolf is pregnant and she turns into werewolf form, does the baby turn into a wolf? <laughs> and I want to preface this by saying, do not Google pregnant werewolf. <laughs> do it. Don't do it on your work computer like I did. It's not a good look. Oh man, I, I, I want to be on. I want to be the IT guy at your work to be like, "Hey, cat, uh, can you come can in I here? Um, just keep keep it at home. All right, we don't care what you're into. Just keep it at home." I, I, I love this question. I think for me, my 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 initial response to this is only if the dad is a werewolf, which is why I created a very helpful Punnett square. <laughs> the Punnett Square oh itself shows that it will either be a werewolf, be just a wolf, or be just a human. So the Punnett Square isn't really helpful, but gives us three very good options. Mendel is so proud of you right now. <laughs> My ninth grade biology came back when I heard this question. I was about to say, middle school science teachers are going nuts right now. <laughs> Do we know if the curse of lycanthropy is the dominant gene or the uh, well, recessive? I looked up a few different um, examples of this happening. Ryan, you're a nerd. <laughs> Do you know what Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition says about lycanthropy? Actually, I don't. I, That's I, surprising. I, I... <laughs> so the wonderful Wizards of the Coast <laughs> think that you can 
become a werewolf through scratches and bites from a werewolf, or if one or both of the parents is a lycanthrope. Uh. I would disagree with that because I don't think lycanthropy should be spread through scratches in mythology, but that, that, like, I'm a big fan of the bite. I agree with you. The bite. Like zombies, vampires, oh, werewolves, transmitted by bite, claw attacks? That is some propaganda bullshit. It's anti-lycanthrop. <laughs> and I'm offended. So as like a, vampires as a, who, if you get bit, you have to get buried and then brought back up to become a fully-fledged vampire. To become a werewolf, you have to be touched by the light of a full moon. Oh. In the womb, you're not going to be touched by the light of a full moon. I think that's boring. I love the idea. Unless of, the mom is like trying to make a werewolf and she's sitting out there with her fucking legs just up. It's like naked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. That's how that works. 100%. No, 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 no. Because there's there's this like uh, like hippie crystal movement where you're the sunning, where you, yeah, where you expose you're sunning your, your asshole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you expose oh, your butthole and genitals to the sun. This is doing it at night. Gain energy. This is doing it at night. Yeah. This is just nocturnal, same thing. So you might encounter this at a yoga class. Full of werewolves. The funniest thing about the funniest thing about that is you, you'd want it to be a well lit night, so it'd have to be like so much light out there that you're like just naked in a fucking field with your legs up trying. Yeah, to it's called a full moon, man. That's what fun. creates werewolves. Fun. Yeah. Half moon's not going to do it. Oh man, you're not going to get enough light penetration in your butthole to get to the baby. <laughs> Question brought me down a rabbit hole that I don't recommend for anybody, especially the images section. What's the rabbit hole in a werewolf's butt? Yep. <laughs> 100%. Images, you get that little uh, the bowels of a preview werewolf. of images on Google when you type something, <laughs> and it's just not... It's, it's, I'm not going to kink shame. There's something in here for everybody. That's and what we should post on our Instagram. This, like, this uh, pregnant just werewolf. Just Googling pregnant we werewolf. Should. Um, <laughs> I'm doing it right so now. I'll post that on the Shrimp and Crits page. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see your facial reaction to the pictures that come up when you Google uh, images. pregnant werewolf. Okay. Here we uh, go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google. <laughs> oh, my. This is weird. Okay. I clicked on the images. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. They're so big. They look I know. They're huge. <laughs> they're huge. I think that is to assume that there's like four to six wolf pups in there, perhaps. <laughs> I feel like I feel uh, like that, that, that makes one hundred percent sense. Except that like dogs don't get that big when they get no, pregnant. They, do they, don't, they don't quadruple in size. Well, in the like, in this one that I'm looking at, this image, it's so funny because she knocked the table over with her big pregnant belly. In this fucking, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the shit's on the floor. It's like she's like, oh, I'm too big for this table. <laughs> are, are you talking about Lacey's massive werewolf pregnancy on DeviantArt? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's make sure we give full credit. This is by Doom. The wolf. So a lot of these seem to be uh, related to the furry subculture. It would seem so. Yeah. Uh, I, like I'm just making assumptions here based on the style of artwork. A lot of these are very anime influenced, which is common in furry artwork. <laughs> I would like to offer the caveat and explanation that although in popular culture, the furry subculture is, is sort of pigeonholed as a sexual fetish. It's not a sexual fetish. Yeah, It's more like a spirit animal type thing. It's like an avatar out there that people use on the internet uh, or in real life at conventions in giant mascot suits. So I, I do want to be clear that we are not making fun of furries here. It's just that a lot of this artwork is furry adjacent. And a surprise on it is it is very fair. It's just it, it, it's a, a surprise on now your work us, computer. Now let us continue to laugh at this gigantic pregnant werewolf belly. 
I would say the f- the funniest image I'm seeing here is Luigi from Mario and Luigi as a pregnant werewolf. What? <laughs> that is a preggy werewolf Luigi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> preggy werewolf Luigi. There's your episode title. Congratulations. Yeah, this is this is insane. What's really interesting though is that all of these images, for the most part, are like gigantic bellies. Like these yeah, they're are. Huge. Yeah. These are way bigger than any human or animal has ever experienced. They're like giving birth to full grown werewolves. <laughs> and there's a lot of debate on the internet on if it would be a single birth or multiple pups. <laughs> I found in a post in 2019 by a Judas Slipper on a Harry Potter wiki that noted turf and walking cautionary tale J.K. Rowling states that uh, <laughs> if two werewolves meet and mate at the full moon the result of the mating will be wolf cubs which resemble true wolves in everything except for their abnormally high intelligence okay i thought you were going to talk about their genitals and i was really (laughs) excited how excited ryan (laughs) uh john ham excited no, sorry, I buried that. I buried it's that. Buried. I buried that. Now it's a zombie Cancel. John Ham. Dick, zombie John Ham's dick. <laughs> still impressive. It is still is decaying, but it is depressive. I didn't expect it to get back up after we put it in that grave, but there it is. I can't stop it. Just rising from the grave, just a turgid monument to the raw sexuality of oh that man. <clears throat> uh, there's uh, really no discernible answer to this. Um, people are still arguing to this day and then there's always the one person who's like nothing would happen uh, werewolves aren't real and that's where i stop (laughs) that for them every time and they're just (laughs) i was i'll say this um what i know about werewolves is they're not wolves they're just like taking on wolf-like qualities they're still human it depends on uh your folklore. Either they can turn into full wolves or okay. some hybrid in between. I like the hybrid in between. Yeah. I like I like the teen wolf one where it's like you got um Michael J. Fox out there playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to use the lore from Alpha Mated and Pregnant by Olivia Hawkins, uh-huh. which is available in Kindle edition on Amazon. Oh. Ordering. <laughs> Hold on. Current, it says it's currently unavailable. How is a digital how the author must have decided that this is no too longer good. available? So yeah. it, it says enjoy free with Kindle Unlimited. It's too good for us. <laughs> <laughs> is that it's in the Disney Vault for another twenty years, and then we can oh, get it out? Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's right there next to Song of the South. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do yourself a favor. Don't Google werewolf pregnancy. I do. Like, I think I got I got a laugh out of it. I mean, I'm not saying not to do it. Like, just don't don't Google werewolf birth because any sort of birth video is going to be disturbing. Yeah, if you think or... that your uh, tailored advertisements were bad when you started listening to my podcast, they're about to get a lot worse. <laughs> they're about to get a lot. Cr- it's great material, though. It's great material. <laughs> you know what else is great material? It's the music of Rick Reynolds. Oh, love Rick. I love Rick too, and I'm sure he is pleased as punch to be associated with massive werewolf pregnancies. Uh, So I I wanted to thank him for the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress. Um, He is available on Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify. And we also, of course, want to thank Cap for joining us. 
Check out Shrimp and Crits, which you can find on whatever your podcast listening app of choice is. And just to give you a taste of what they have to offer. Hey, sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you'll be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green the Searcher. You know the proclamations of the fame. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon. Soon in sunny Gullicochica. If you if you liked what you heard in that promo, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and on uh, TikTok at Shrimp and Crits. S H R I N P A N D C R I T S. If you go over to our website, you can find our Shrimp and Grits recipe. <laughs> if you were googling and mistyped. <laughs> And uh, you can interact with us anytime on the Cash Junkie Discord server in our Shrimp and Crits, um, in our Shrimp and Crits channel. And we do live listening parties every other Monday for the new episodes. Oh. All right. And I'm going to say two things about that. One, even if you didn't like what you heard in that promo, as a listener of our show, you are obligated <laughs> to go to the Shrimp and Crits website and listen to every single episode of their podcast. And even if you don't like it, Know that I like it. And that's all that matters. And that's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. You can also follow us on social media. We are Wreck Your Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We have a Facebook listening group and a like page. Uh, we also hang out on the Discord server. What's the name of that one again? Cast Junkie. Cast Junkie. That's right. I just type it in and it automatically comes up. Uh, we also have a Gmail, wreckyourpod at gmail.com. Go ahead and send us your complaints, your uh, claims to check out. Your favorite pregnant werewolf pictures. Oh, I honestly, <laughs> well, send that to, go ahead and send that to Cap. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead and send it to, go ahead and send it to our email. Matt reads it yeah, now, so. Yeah, yeah, I'll be into it. <laughs> Somebody's got to filter through Someone's it. Someone's got to filter through uh, that I, I Luigi wanna... Prego porn. <laughs> I want to ha- I want to thank everybody for hanging with us through this extra special, extra long episode. We have been blessed by Cap's presence on this episode of Don't Wreck Yourself. I really cannot express enough gratitude for the work that you put into producing this Halloween special with us, and it's very, very much appreciated. Thank you so much for having me. If you if you want to have me back next Halloween, you just call me up. There you go. You if. if if Matt hasn't killed me by then, perfect. <laughs> and even if Matt has killed me, if Matt ghost, has come back as a ghost. Me, I will come back as a ghost. You are invited onto the show. Perfect. <laughs> if John Ham hasn't sued you into the dirt by then. I will be here. There you go. There you go. Uh, apology to jo- all John's hams out there. All John's ham out there. So, if between now and next week you find yourself hovering over that share button, wondering whether that werewolf pregnancy picture is worth sending to your friends or even emailing to us. We encourage you to don't even bother checking yourself. Just go ahead and send it. (laughs) Uh, But if it's anything else, you make sure to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart and it won't change. 
All your secrets are safe with the crime skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> the post-credit thing is a little bit gratuitous. What is this? The Marvel Cinematic Universe? One, two, three stars for your podcast. Ah, 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 ah. All right, well, you made it through. Don't spook yourself, number one. And you didn't run for the hills. Congratulations. I'm- Covered in sweat. That was a lot. (laughs) (sighs) Cap's just a sweater. I don't know. I've gone through two shirts in that one episode. I went through two pairs of pants. Exactly. That crime skeleton every time. Every time. Just scares the shit out of me. (laughs) So a year later, we sat down and we recorded Don't Spook Yourself 2. Yet another fantastic episode. we, We did some audio engineering it was one of the first episodes that Matt came back to uh, to participate in after he had taken a hi- his hiatus, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like conjured him. Yeah, we con- we literally well we literally conjured him. So we are going to spoil this one. We didn't spoil the first yeah. episode, but I think I think now at this point you're committed. So mm-hmm. I feel perfectly comfortable just ruining <laughs> the shit out of this for you. But Matt came back for the intro, uh, although he didn't stick around for the episode. He was on a time crunch that day. However, Katie was an absolutely wonderful guest and a little known fact that our listeners hopefully didn't pick up on the first time they listened to this episode is that we lost about three minutes of my audio um, during a bit in which we're talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken Astroglide. So (laughs) if you don't Uh, notice me dropping out, it's because I got very clever in post. Uh, Fortunately, Cap and Katie were really driving the comedy. So the loss of my audio wasn't that big of a deal. All I had to do was pretend to react to the things that they had already said. <laughs> I, I forgot about the Astroglide. That's that's funny. I, I Katie really drives home this episode, though. I'm not going to lie to you. The, uh, the, the fog. And, and no friction at all when she drives it home. Uh-uh. <laughs> slides, slides it all the way to home base. <laughs> On a fried chicken scented slip and slide. Nightmare. <laughs> without further delay we present to you don't spook yourself too featuring cap matt and katie and ryan well technically yeah but i'm in all of them in the dead of night, two travelers emerge from a wood line into an ancient cemetery with endless rows of decrepit monuments. The bone-white light of the moon cuts across the pair's grim faces. Ahead of them lies their destination, an ancient gray mausoleum. They trudge through the muddy field towards their end without complaint. Are you seriously going to narrate everything, Cap? Without complaint, Katie, without complaint. 
I'm not sure if the bone white light of the moon is bright enough for you to see my eyes rolling. I can see it. And why did we cut through the woods? There's a walking path from the parking lot. Because emerging from the forest is more mysterious. Let's let's just go in. Well, well, well. Look what the cat drag did. Holy crap, is that a skeleton? Specifically, it's a crime skeleton, and it can't hurt you. It can only try to make you confess. You can save yourself a whole lot of trouble if you just admit what you did. Stay your motives. Our motive is to join an occult ritual. Told you. You're releasing your own recognizance, see? Don't get any funny ideas. Uh, let's, let's, let's just go in. Glad you can make it. Everything's just about set up. Is that a Ouija board? It's inscribed with the proper runes, too. Nice. All right. Everyone take a seat and put your hands on the planchette, the uh, the guitar pick looking thing. We call upon the spirits of the void. Manifest and make your presence known. I ward this room against unwanted entities. I ward this room against unwanted entities. Entities is hard to say. It is. Entities. <laughs> I ward this room against unwanted entities. This seance may feature words and situations not appropriate for young, listless souls. It is for mature beings and the ghosts of juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, our cult looks into claims we find online, answer your questions, and say bad words. A dick mala verba. A dick mala verba. A dick mala verba. We call upon the void to deliver the spirit of Matt Saint Sing. You know I'm not dead, right? Yeah. It was implied. Who are you? Totally not dead. <laughs> Unless this is like a sixth sense situation. What do you mean? You know, like in the movie, The Sixth Sense. It drives people nuts when I tell them I've never seen it. In The Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis is a psychologist treating this little boy who can see ghosts and they like solve a girl's murder and make her ghost happy. Then Bruce Willis finds out he was a ghost all along. That's the twist. Hello. Matt, Matt, you're, you're fading away. It was his unfinished business. He always secretly wanted to know what happens in that movie. And now, now he knows. He's like that photograph in Back to the Future. Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do. But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? Which trips to telephones and all no difference to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name is Ryan the Machete Placetti, and I'm here to 
saw through the sinewy tendrils of the Gordian knot of the internet's bullshit. I'm Katie Stroud. I'm just here for a good time and also maybe because I'm a little afraid of Ryan and not my husband, Ryan. <laughs> this Ryan. <laughs> I'm a little frightened. For her, I do- <laughs> Uh, so for our audience listeners at home, Katie is married to Ryan, who had previously appeared on our show. Uh, his episode was Cena Later Alligator. Mm-hmm. And you can check that out if you look at our back catalog. But we have a third host. That's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have a third host and, today. <laughs> and holding the still beating heart of comedy, it's me. Cap, once again. God. Is, is, is that still beating? <laughs> We're doing the best we can. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, this is our Halloween special, if you could Ooh. not tell. Yeah, we, we did the, the whole skit in the beginning and everything. That should, that should put everybody in the Halloween spooky time mood. Um, so I wanted to start off this episode just asking, like, do you and in your households have any Halloween traditions? What do you do for Halloween? Absolutely nothing. No. <laughs> I'm wearing cat ears right now. You just can't see it. I'm festive. Oh, so festive. <laughs> I know. I, I feel bad. I feel bad. I lied and told you guys I was going to wear a costume. <laughs> yeah, I was excited. I was looking forward to it. We don't do too much in my house. I turn off the lights so trick-or-treaters don't come by. And I usually, I like to set up like a projector with a screen and watch scary movies in the family room with all the candy that I would have given to children, but <laughs> on my own. I, I love your entitled no kids greed. I appreciate yeah. it, in fact. <laughs> I love it. I'm envious of it. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I end up having to, you know, we take the kids out trick or treating, but mostly it's just a uh, walk and drink type situation. Love that. Bring a couple beers on the road. I can totally appreciate your lack of traditions, uh, but for people who do have holiday traditions, a lot of times things that go hand in hand with holidays are like seasonal foods, and that brings us to a meme that I found floating around on Twitter. And it is a picture of some Oscar Mayer hot dogs. And they are labeled (laughs) Halloweeners, black licorice flavored hot dogs made with chicken, pork, beef, and black licorice. Now, you said people with traditions for holidays, but these are these are nasty people. These are are people who like to get real nasty with their Halloween traditions. (laughs) These are dirty birds right here. Yeah. Halloweeners. Come on. But yeah, so this this image actually made the rounds uh, pretty quickly last year and had been debunked and was debunked by all sorts of media outlets, including Snopes and USA Today, which, as we all know, is a top rate news organization that hits all the hard topics like Halloweeners. (laughs) (laughs) So I I guess first question is, would you Uh, presuming you eat meat? I'd give it the old smell test for sure, because black licorice (laughs) is just I can see if they put like charcoal in here for the color. Yeah. But putting black licorice in here is just a sin to God. <laughs> I agree. I beg to differ because I'm pretty sure that the existence of these <laughs> Halloweeners black licorice flavored hot dogs would be proof that God does not exist. Yeah, that is that is fair. This is this is foul. Katie? Yeah, I I hate to admit that I would try it if it was just like <laughs> charcoal like but what coloring. Do you put on it. Yeah, but black licorice makes me. Um, I can't. I don't mind black licorice. It's a it's a tasty thing, but no. But mixed with all You're my wiener meat, 
That's not good. <laughs> Thing is, though, like you, you, you might use, uh, and depending on where you're from, you might pronounce it anus seed. Um, <laughs> or as we say in America, anise, because we don't like saying anus if we can avoid it. <laughs> I love saying anus. <laughs> <laughs> there are savory preparations for meat products that include like that kind of licorice flavor. Even dried basil has kind of a licorice flavor to it. So I, I'm not necessarily turned off by the possibility that this might have a black licorice flavor. It's just to what extent, like what's the ratio black licorice to, <laughs> you know, umami. I think I'm turning around on this because I think one of these with a thick layer of sauerkraut on top would taste oh. pretty okay. Oh. <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's wrong. But it's like, you're, I you're, think it sounds pretty good now. It sounds like you're eating like a German tourist in Greece. Exactly. Just a little, just like a little, <laughs> little ouzo and sauerkraut. <laughs> when in Rome, you know. <laughs> when I in mean, hell. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really appreciate a good pun. So mm -hmm. I would try just for the name. I would, <laughs> I would give them my money just for some Halloweeners. <laughs> <laughs> These also seem it would be good for like in in the case of like. Um, bathing suits that dissolve in the water. This is a good prank wiener. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I, I would buy this. It, like you, you were literally talking to a guy who has a can of imported Japanese whale flavored horse meat on, on on a shelf in my kitchen, just waiting for the opportunity to YouTube it. Classic episode 15 or <laughs> <Whoa>. something. <laughs> it, it, it literally exists. Like I went out and I bought that horse meat. It exists in my house right now. I just haven't had the gumption or the drive to eat it in front of a camera yet. It also looks like this person edited that there's 420 milligrams of sodium, and that's just funny. <laughs> I think that's oh, probably oh, the accurate amount of sodium. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the right amount of sodium for a regular Oscar Mayer wiener. Does this QR sure. code lead me anywhere? Hold on. Uh, I don't know. I think it might be too blurry. There's a lot of compression going on in this version yeah, of the photo. Probably, probably because it's been moved between like multiple platforms. I know, like Facebook will compress your images for you. Um, I want it so, so bad though. I, I, I did look into this, and if you notice on the top left on on one of the dogs, it has a little at box of chowder on there. So mm -hmm, you got a little mm -hmm. watermark telling you where to go. So it turns out this account at box of chowder, which is uh, active on Instagram, Twitter, and a couple other platforms. Is a and it's a social media account posting Photoshop parody products. Uh, they're oh. not attempting to actively pass them off as the real thing. However, people have taken it and run. So I guess the real horror <laughs> here is the absence of online information literacy, which is why I have a show. <laughs> kind of, kind of. And I like making dick jokes. <laughs> so this year at Box of Chowder has returned to form with uh, Halloweeners version two. This is a much better resolution photo. Oh, it's great. It's it's clean. It's 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 clean. It's clear. A whole lot of and, hand. And uh, yeah, yeah. Like you could probably read <laughs> this guy's fingerprints. That's how good this image is. But this year's Halloweeners do differ. It's Halloweeners candy corn flavored hot dogs and the hot Ugh. dogs are literally <laughs> three different colors. <laughs> like it's like instead it's of white. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's 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 yellow at it's yellow at one end with orange in the middle, and then instead of white like you would expect with candy corn, it is the most dead hot dog looking color possible. <laughs> it's like half boiled on one end and then dipped in sulfur on the other. It's it's a nightmare. Yeah, it looks like it's it, it looks like it's turmeric chili powder and just bland. So at box of chowder is still watermarked on here, but it's 
it's white and it's the same color as uh, a lot of the other writing. So it kind of blends in a little bit easier. So this one could certainly go viral also at some point. Uh, I, uh, to my knowledge, it has not. Again, I think I would eat these. I like candy corn. I might be one of the oddballs here, but I, I enjoy a candy corn from time to time. And like the idea of a sweet sausage, it could be done. I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Like even, uh, you know, getting back to the licorice thing, Italian sausage. Italian sausage uh, typically incorporates fennel seed, which does have that licorice flavor. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And we're looking at a little bit more sodium with this one, 450. But they did add I don't think 20 they're grams of sugar. <laughs> they no? did add that. Yeah, I was about to say, there's definitely not sugar, typically, especially 20 grams of sugar in not The 450 <laughs> mill- milligrams of sodium might be completely accurate. Although it does say uncured wieners made with turkey. Wouldn't Okay, well, let's not get into the difference between what a cured and uncured wiener is. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had syphilis <laughs> for a very long time. I'm Jewish, but I'm not a moil. <laughs> I've never I've never had syphilis for the, for the record, but but it's it's not always what you say. It's what you're not saying. So <laughs> my STI history is mine. Thank you very much. Just some of the other products on his website. I just I just wanted to throw a quick slideshow together for you. This is his extra creamy ripped cream. Uh, and <laughs> Cap, Cap, would you do us a solid and just go ahead and describe this? The bottle of whipped cream I see before me, which. This is a great photo. You should put it on some sort of social media because he's gone through and put this image of a ripped body of whipped cream on all of the cans behind it. And it's really dedication (laughs) to the bit. And I really like it. But this is extra creamy ripped cream with creatine. And what we see here is a bottle of whipped cream with just, if you imagine the Michelin man, but instead of like rolls, it's beefy muscles like Atlas mm-hmm. holding up the world. This is a headless creature, mind you. There's only a dollop of whipped cream, <laughs> excuse me, ripped cream uh, for the head. But he, uh, I, I call him a he uh, because he's just exuding sexual masculine energy. And he's got these <laughs> tiny wrists and honestly not very muscular hands, but then connected to them is just bulging biceps and pectoral muscles and abs and muscles that I didn't even know existed on the human body. And I, I don't know about you two, but when I'm not recording a podcast, I'm lifting weights at the gym. <laughs> and if I saw a bunch of people just filling their mouths with ripped cream with creatine at the gym, I think it would just be a better place. Yeah. I definitely saw a lot of people do it in the, the walk-in freezer at the restaurant I used to work at. So <laughs> <laughs> Ripping some ripped cream. All right. I've got another product here. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's good. Just just feast your eyes on it. And Katie, would you mind oh. describing this for the audience? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay, this is <laughs> this is Kentucky fried chicken Astroglide. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's Astroglide? <laughs> <laughs> it's lube. It's just oh. some lube. So it's got Colonel Sanders okay. at the top there, and it says the Seduction Collection. Colonel Sanders oh, wow. looking fucking sexy too. Yeah, that That's... that coy coy smile. <laughs> a daddy, a young daddy Sanders. <laughs> I can't stop picturing his tie as a stick 
body. All I see though. is a little little tiny stick figure <laughs> body. I was going to bring it up at the end of the bit, but it looks like a Sorry. giant head on a tiny stick figure body, and it's so funny. Now, this does say original recipe, chicken-based mm. personal lubrication. <laughs> chicken-based, oh. Chicken-based. I don't see the problem with just getting some fried chicken and just using the grease from <laughs> Damn. All right. <laughs> it's sexy and schmaltzy. <laughs> Don't repeat that to anyone. <laughs> okay. It's safe. It's locked. You, me, cap on the internet. Secret safe. Oh my gosh. So is this fake? <laughs> because I know they did come out with a steamy KFC movie. It was like a real thing. No, no, it's 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 not real. Okay. But yeah. uh that is definitely Mario <laughs> Lopez, so they're using the imagery from that fake commercial movie. Mm. Oh my god. I think this would sell. I know it would sell. <laughs> I would buy it. <laughs> I would buy it. And if you could <laughs> if you could cover your Halloweener in Kentucky Fried Chicken Astro Glide, you got a fucking meal going. <laughs> Like, it's going to smell good. It's going to feel good. It's, it's my, what the body craves. I, 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 I think my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite part, though, is the, the man in the background is a lens crafter commercial. That is Mario is really? Lopez. He, was in the, he played Colonel Sanders in a steamy Lifetime-esque movie. It looks it was like so a hot. freaking lens crafter ad. It does. That's because he's a gorgeous man. He is the he's everything I want. Don't fuck chickens, please. <laughs> I wasn't going to. <laughs> Don't fuck, fuck chickens, fuck Mario Lopez. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> We're having fun. <laughs> so I, I think for me the takeaway here is this. Like they they pictured a four ounce container, but I could see springing for a family size bucket. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to leave you with this last one. <laughs> <laughs> Why are those fingers so long? <laughs> Why are they on the can <laughs> in front of these exceptionally long fingers? They didn't have to be, <laughs> which are long for no reason at all. <laughs> it just says teeth, T E E F, teeth, and it's a bowl full of human teeth. <laughs> the funniest thing about this picture is the kosher star at the bottom. <laughs> that shit is oh, sending man. me. These teeth are kosher. Don't worry. <laughs> oh my god, uh, teeth. <laughs> I mean, you gotta get your calcium somehow. It was his unfinished business. He always secretly wanted to know what happens in that movie. And now... Now he knows. He's like that photograph of Back to the Future. Back to the what? Only one of the greatest sci-fi adventure films of all time about a guy who goes back in time. To have sex with his mom. Everyone loves that movie. That sounds gross. I have absolutely no interest in seeing that. Ever. He's... Guys, he's, he's turning solid again. All right, well, thanks for doing the seance skit with us, Matt. Yeah, I'll see you later. Happy Halloween, folks. Happy, Happy Halloween! Halloween. <laughs> These teeth are kosher. Don't worry. Oh, my God. Teeth. I mean, you gotta get your calcium.
calcium somehow. Yeah, uh, but speaking of teeth, I think you had a uh, kind of a teeth related question, Cap. I have a biting question here from our No Stupid Questions. Katie, are you familiar with our No Stupid Questions? I'm not. Well, this is a, a specific little niche cut out in a lovely little grotto of the internet where any question you ask is inherently not stupid. So you can ask whatever you want and you <laughs> won't get chided about it. Yep. You could be the smartest person on the internet or the dumbest person on the internet. doesn't matter. Your questions are equal here. <laughs> so I have a question posted by user Sadie Loco that asks, what is the organ pipe song they play when Dracula sucks blood? Oh. And I like I'm reading this out loud for the first time, and I like that it says organ pipe song instead of pipe organ song, because that makes me think of like a fleshy organ. But what did you say, right? <laughs> of course, we all know the answer to this question. I'm looking at all of you. You all have faces that say, I know the answer to this question. And obviously, it's Toccata and Fugue. We all know the song. Ryan, if you would play me a little snippet, please, a completely legal snippet. Yeah, sure. Um exactly so we, yep 100% <laughs> taste of this <laughs> I, I actually don't know that I don't, I don't know the next part memorize. I'm sorry that's all we need I don't even so know I'm going to play the real music now <laughs> <laughs> we all know that this song when the vampire is tilting over the suck E and taking their blood we all know this is a song that plays but I for the life of me Cannot find a single instance where this song is played in a movie or film or TV show at the same time as Dracula or any vampire sucking blood. I find that so incredibly difficult to believe. Me too. I looked, I scoured, I scoured <laughs> the internet. I have found that there are a few movies that have done this. Notably, 1931, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which I think people could possibly confuse for like... Movie, monster, black and white, scary. This was the opening song of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in 1931. All right. Famously, neither Dr. Jekyll nor Mr. Hyde were vampires. That is true. Mm -hmm. The song is also <laughs> in, it's the opening number of Disney's Fantasia, which I didn't remember at all. I've definitely seen that uh -huh. like a thousand times. It's in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And everybody knows, I'm sure we all know, we all love Johnny Depp and his movies. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Davy Jones oh. plays this on a big organ pipe with his tentacles. Uh, and Davy mm -hmm. Jones and, and that being a, a some sort of squid octopus uh, octopus Bill man. Bill Nighy squid octopus man. Yes, exactly. Yep. And lovely not, fellow. No vampiric does not drink blood. Nope. Does not drink blood. Uh, that we know eats of. fish. Do, yeah, it doesn't show <laughs> him not. It doesn't show him drinking it, blood. So he could. It is a. PG movie. It is a PG <laughs> movie. PG standing for pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that I know what happened here. Okay. I have, I think I've maybe solved this mystery, and I think it is a big Mandela effect for everybody to think that this is Dracula's song, because it is famously in a movie called The Black Cat from 1934, which stars Dracula himself, Bela Lugosi. Okay. And no matter what movie Bela Lugosi is in, he kind of looks like Dracula. It's like Dracula, like I watched an entire Dracula movie. He didn't get thirsty once. <laughs> <laughs> Not once. 
So I don't I don't know how this happened. And I, I'd like thoughts on it because I 100% thought that this was tied to Dracula in some way. So this was a song composed by Bach in the 18th century, 1703. All right. That, which is probably when like Dracula was born, right? Yeah, well, it was right after the Salem witch trials, so it could have been it could have been a soundtrack to some to, to some witch burnings. Like there might have been somebody in the crowd just going, <laughs> "Hang the witch." <laughs> <laughs> I think this, that's just what it is. This song is just creepy. It like it it, it really does invoke a kind of sexy vampiric creepiness that honestly I love. Yeah, it's it's gothic AF. It's gothic AF, thank you. And like old school gothic gothic, not goth. There's there is a difference. Though it is goth <laughs> too, but it is gothic mm-hmm. first and foremost. So what is the organ pipe song that they play when Dracula sucks plug? That is Toccata and Fugue. By Bach. It does not connect with Dracula, but I think at this point it does because it's just what everyone thinks. It's what everyone thinks. And I have to believe like that there that there's something that's just not being covered here. Like my first thought was like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. Right. Or... And I looked I looked through television <laughs> appearances. I looked through like radio shows. I literally I... crawled minute by minute through Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed because when I Googled <laughs> it, when I Googled this, when I Googled Takata and Fugue Scooby-Doo. It came up with the Scooby-Doo soundtrack, but it turns out it was just a playlist on Spotify for Halloween music that had Takata and Fugue and the Scooby-Doo theme song. And I saw a lot of people like putting this song over the Nosferatu movie, but it's not actually in that movie. These are just fan edits. Mm -hmm. Everything's a lie. The song is not connected to Dracula, but but it is. And we can all just agree that it is. This is not a stupid question. This is Dracula's song. I stand by it. Starting now, Dracula and Fugue. Can you read the title of this slide? Because it makes me happy. Takata in <laughs> Confusion. <laughs> That's pretty fucking funny. I didn't even read that. Yeah, so I, I, I think that there's got there's got to be some sort of there's got to be some <clears throat> sort of overlap in in some sort of kids cartoon at some point that that instilled this in us in our childhood and it's just grown into adulthood with no serious media uh replicating it because everybody's kind of associating it already it'd be almost too on the nose but it's never and happened and if somebody finds that clip and it's not edited sent it in don't wreck yourself at gmail.com probably uh, it's right it's wreck your it's wreck your pot at gmail.com Thank you. Uh, go go sign up for the Shrimp and Crits Patreon at fondofmelobster.com. <laughs> <laughs> sign up for our Patreon, then send a message to us saying where this is, and we'll all be, you know, you'll give me $5, I'll feel good, you'll feel good, and I'll never talk about Dracula again. <laughs> Ever? Wink. All right, so <laughs> we are, one of, the, one of the wonderful things about doing this show is being able to Im- impose... <laughs> homework on our guests and Katie, it's your, it's your first time on the show when you, you picked one of our, uh, one of our topics from the list today. Do you want to, uh, introduce it and, and tell us what you found? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I had to pull it up on my tiny pocket robot and my big robot. Okay. What are you talking about? <laughs> I to- She's talking about her phone. Her <laughs> my robot. tiny pocket robot. I'm 100% with you, Katie. Cap is a <laughs> Katie, here is your article. Cap the Luddite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what part of Reddit is this from? Oh, histories, history, mysteries. 
Ooh, I'm already intrigued. I am not familiar with Reddit. Please, please don't judge me. <laughs> I'm I'm not a Redditor. Oh, you even got it right. I feel like you are. You're lying to us. Though I, I did apply to work there anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this was on. What, what, what job? What job did you apply for at Reddit? It was like a like a, a talent sourcing manager. Okay, That's kind so of what like my field is. <laughs> Yeah, I said it well. No, I've been working for them now happily. <laughs> no, you know what? You know, you know the problem is nobody nobody hired her, and she doesn't. <laughs> you're That's the, the talent. problem. You're the talent. Talent That's sourcing. True. How can you source the talent when you're the talent? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. So this is on. Is it called a subreddit? Oh my god, I sound yeah, so Yeah, you're crushing yeah. it. You know all the lingo already. <laughs> this is on the subreddit. History Mysteries. Hosted by... Do I need to say this person's name? Yeah. Okay. This is... Oh, oh gosh. Oh gosh. Okay. Posted by J.A. Hernandez Writes. We got a... We got a... We got a, a, a scribe on our hands. yeah he sounds professional he uses his real name and everything so this is oh my god i should have probably looked up how to pronounce it i don't want to butcher it tomokas what your heart tells you Uh, tomokas we are we are literally just (laughs) three three white presenting people trying to pronounce the name of a native american leader who was uh in most likelihood if not murdered then certainly oppressed by white colonizers Yes, so, absolutely. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sweat. So I, I. I wouldn't sweat too hard about us mispronouncing his name being the worst thing that's happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> I am googling how to pronounce it though. I, I would guess Tomoka. I think yeah, it's Tomoka. 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 He goes by Tom. <laughs> no, that's white. <laughs> You're not to say that. Stop whitewashing Tomoka's carnivorous pink cloud. <laughs> all right. All right. So I I forgot where I was. OK, you said their name. Yes. <laughs> so you, were, you, were, you thought about saying their name. <laughs> yes, I thought about it. All right. And this post is on Tamaka's carnivorous pink cloud from around 1955 until 1966. Residents were terrorized by a thick creeping ground fog in the woods of Tamaka River west of Daytona. That's Florida, for those who don't know. In those days, the area around Tamaka River was about as rural as you could get. I'm mainly picturing cows and alligators here with little farmhouses dotting the fields. The carnivorous cloud. Those are details that you can only get from a writer like Dave Hernandez. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> a professional. The prose um, the is car- out of this world. <laughs> the carnivorous cloud. <laughs> tended to show itself in cooler weather and rolled across the forest, dissolving foliage and digesting anything or anyone unfortunate enough to be in its path. The thing killed about a dozen people, leaving only bones behind. Oh, that's... What? Yeah. Ominous. Is Have this... you never heard about this? It's crazy. Is this real? I, I had never heard, I'd never heard about it before I found this post and made Katie research it. You're from that area, Katie. Tell me about this. Yeah, I've actually heard about it. <laughs> I'm from Mississippi. Same thing. <laughs> it's like a thousand miles away. Um, I actually heard about this on another podcast, and God, I wish I could remember what podcast it was. It was one of the big ones, <laughs> and I, I, for the life of me, it's, it's actually for legal reasons. It's better if you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes it much harder for them but, to sue us for stealing their content. <laughs> yeah. But basically, I think it's not real. <laughs> I'm just going to come out and say that. Okay. I Because you can't find anything about the dozen people that died. There's nothing. There's no names. I feel like if this was a real occurrence. Yeah. Uh, like well, a real they, how thing. How would they identify? Like, would they have <laughs> dental records? Like, this is from 1955 no, but- to 1966. <laughs> were dental records really all that common? Like, oh, but- shit. Here's a bunch of bones. I feel like if Teddy watched his mom go into this pink cloud and never come out. This has to be like <laughs> Teddy would there were know. bones already there that got bubbled up by some swamp gas or something yeah. and just well, presented uh, themselves as this cloud flew over, right? This cloud didn't eat <laughs> people. This is Doctor Who. This is <laughs> this is nothing. Well, okay, so let, let let's 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 tackle this in two different parts. One is mm-hmm. was there a cloud? And the second part is it's like it's like we, we've got like a little flow chart here. Was there a cloud? If yes, did it eat people? If no, <laughs> and and end of story. That's it. That's the whole claim. So was there yeah, a cloud? Yeah. Maybe there's no way to prove like it's it's just gases floating around. You can't prove whether this cloud of pink gas existed or not. They at this had point. cameras. They could have taken a picture. Black <laughs> and white that's cameras would have just looked like regular fog. <laughs> There are there are some theories, though. Okay. Um, And the the theories start with the most prevalent one, which is a Native American curse. We had it come and go on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At the very least. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Chief Tomoki. (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Chief Tamaki? Tamoki. Tamaki. You say tomato, I? I say tomato. Is there an I? Because there's an A elsewhere. Tomoka is the city oh. or is the area, but the chief's name was Tamaki. Could be a grammatical thing. It could be like a it could be like a genitive case or something like that. I don't know how they conjugate names in native yeah. tongues. That's not white yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Basically, he grabbed a golden cup and drank some water from a sacred spring. Okay, this is all uh, which, sounding very familiar. Yeah. Yes, which violated <laughs> violated some some rules of his his people. Um, so the tribe attacked him, but he was invincible because he kept drinking mm. the water because you know. Uh-huh. And so they shot him with arrows. And so then a beautiful maiden named Alita walked up to him. Okay. And she put a poison arrow right, right into his heart. (gasps) And since then, his spirit wanders the mist of the Tamaka River. You know what I found (laughs) like super comforting about that entire story of a person given unto godlike powers due to drinking from a magical spring with a golden cup? It's that there were no white people in that story murdering Native <laughs> Americans. Like, I was pleasantly surprised because that totally 100% was what I was expecting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, well, he obviously must have gotten what he wanted with his unresolved issues as a ghost pink cloud because it was just like this one time, right? Yeah. He's not still but, haunting 
Daytona Beach. Well, that's that's the problem with this theory was that that obviously happened a very long time ago. So, like, why is he coming back to seek revenge in 1955? <laughs> uh, that's a very strange year, yeah. Because <laughs> he saw everything that happened between the 1600s when this occurred and 1955, and he was just like, enough is enough. <laughs> why do you yeah, all keep and- doing this? So I guess the Native American curse is, is, is like, is there any indication whether he's initiating the curse? Like, oh, I'm going to wreak my revenge on anybody living here because I was stopped from achieving godhood. Or is this a curse because uh, the powers or sp- uh, the, the spiritual forces that infused the spring with magic were angered by his desecration of their holy site? Which, why would you even put that there if you didn't want them to get into it? I think it has to do with Floridians. <laughs> mm. Okay, fair. <laughs> The, um, the old drugs theory. I mean, this this wonderful professional writer, Jay Hernandez, even has. He mentions that they had a, a statue erected in the 1950s. Of now, I've seen this statue on all these occult websites that I found myself on looking into this. Yeah, but then Florida let it go into disrepair. So maybe, maybe Classic. he was very upset. That his beautiful statue was fucked up. But no, wait, you said it was put up in the 50s and he was killing people in the 50s. It's fucked up now. Maybe it was the statue that summoned him. True. The second theory, which makes way more sense, is swamp gas. <laughs> so this that's a rational explanation for what people might have observed, assuming mm-hmm. that the cloud has not murdered people. Or could it yeah. have murdered people with just the, the nature of the gases that make up the swamp gas? I have mm-hmm. a weird idea. Okay, just I'm, off the I'm, top of my head, I'm into it. Are you, f- are you familiar with Red Tide? <laughs> yes. I am. Which is that? Is that one of these theories? Because if that like seeps into the swamp and then we get some sort of swamp gas belches, I feel like that could be pretty close to pink, it, and it also makes you like ill. Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, I could see somebody getting sick and then, um, maybe explaining it poorly and having and then having it grow over time into the urban myth of a creeping pink fog that. Right. Devours people. Yeah. That's a, a that's 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 my guess. I'm putting it in. I'm locking it away in this box forever. <laughs> that's my guess. Another theory is ghosts, which is I mean, that's the same <laughs> thing as <laughs> just ghost. Right. And that, that gets down to the difference between whether it's a curse or a ghost. Yeah. King Tamaka being like, I'm going to fuck you guys up forever. And the gods that he offended saying, I'm going to fuck you guys up forever. That's the difference. Like ghost is clearly. That's the king and or his victims. I'm going to fuck you up from 1955 to 1966 specifically. (laughs) I'm going to fuck you up for always, but it's going to take me 300 years to summon my power. There's a long line for power. (laughs) Another theory, and this one's way above my head, is hydrofluoric Mm -hmm. acid and Rayleigh scattering. I don't know what that means. Okay, I did take a peek at that. I think the hydrofluoric mm-hmm. acid in this case is a a naturally occur like a naturally occurring acidic cloud that could have mm-hmm. formed, and it would have been um, colorless. It would have been colorless and odorless. Yes. However, Rayleigh scattering is basically light hitting at a certain angle. It's like what when you're looking at the sunset, why it turns like uh, why, why, why the natural beauty of the world is uh, adorned in raiments of violet and gold. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is that why it's tra- called ray tracing in video games? Does that have anything to do with it? I have no idea. <laughs> Me neither. No I've heard ray tracing, and this sounds 
like something to do with light. I don't know. Ray, ray tracing sounds like something that a bounty hunter has to do in Florida when Ray goes missing. <laughs> ray tracing sounds like J.J. <laughs> Abrams' big mistake with the Star Wars <laughs> franchise. <laughs> That's a good one. Then I, I think there was one more theory that had kind of a similar uh, mm-hmm. kind of it's a similar another event. interesting theory. And, and it said rocket ships and water vapor. So the idea there was that rocket ships being launched in Florida could have released vapors into the atmosphere, which caught which caught the light in a certain way that created pink clouds. But that doesn't necessarily explain a creeping fog. So I'm I'm kind of I, yeah. I think that one's a, a more dubious assertion. And what we went to the moon in '69, right? Nice. <laughs> so I some test rockets Cap, before Cap, then. Cap, you were on episode 69 of the show, and I like to think that we went to the moon. <laughs> you know, you and me, baby. With hunger in our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Searching for the Halloweeners of lore. I ate the whole cheese. <laughs> now, I think I think I have another theory. Okay, though. go ahead. Oh, do tell. My theory is uh-huh. that it was a gender reveal gone wrong. Oh, 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 oh a Florida man gender reveal. I accept. Exactly. That is, that you, win, you win gender pink reveal. cloud? <laughs> pink cloud? It's pink? That, 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 devours, it makes that sense. devours the flesh off people's bones. This is 100% a gender reveal gone wrong. You win the internet tonight. Yes. You do. Yes. Um, that's <laughs> all. I, I answered this mystery. Myth busted. <laughs> it's no longer history's mysteries. It's history's. It's r slash history explained. Done. <laughs> it was his unfinished business. He always secretly wanted to know what happens in that movie. I have absolutely no interest in seeing He's Guys, he's, he's turning solid again. He's gone. It's sad. We can we can never tell him that Doc Brown reads Marty's letter and wears body armor so that he doesn't actually die after those Libyans gun him down. And he can never know about the complex socio-political undertones boiling beneath the popcorn crunching surface of the film. But can we tell him about the hoverboard? Yeah, the, the hoverboard's fine. Sequels don't count. Makes sense. And it's no longer history's mysteries, it's history's, it's r slash history explained. Done. (laughs) So I actually had a topic that I wanted to present today from r slash am I the asshole? And this was posted by user Chupacabra Throw RA. Uh, (laughs) So that's just, just so you know, it's in the question. Um, and they want to know, am I the asshole for teaching my niece to say El Chupacabra <laughs> when her mom says, you know what really gets my goat? Uh, this is a 20-year-old male. <laughs> his niece is four, and his sister is 32. He explains, my sister has a habit of saying, you know what really gets my goat? She probably says it seven or eight times a day. So like that Tumblr post, I taught my niece to say El Chupacabra when her mom says it. It sounds more like Esupacaba 
though, because she's four, but it's adorable. <laughs> I told my niece it was a monster from Mexico <laughs> that eats goats, and she didn't seem scared or anything. Probably because the monster she knows is the only monster she knows. Probably because the only monster she knows. Sorry, they didn't say because I said cause. Probably. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Probably cause. They also didn't, they also say, didn't say probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably manic for me. Um, probably because <laughs> the only monster she knows is Cookie Monster. But apparently now my niece walks around the house saying El Chupacabra all day. And my, now my sister and brother-in-law are mad at me for teaching her this. But in my opinion, it's kind of adorable and also harmless. But like, she's my sister's kid, so I don't know. I just want to say that it's crazy that we're all spoiled by J. Hay Hernandez <laughs> writes and their <laughs> brilliant fiction because we had a hard time. Yeah, with Chupacabra that one. throw our head <laughs> is not the is not the most eloquent not a writer. That's not in the title. <laughs> That's not in yeah. the title. Yeah. Um, so yeah, gut, gut reaction. Uh, teaching young kids to say possibly inappropriate things to their parents. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I love I, it. <laughs> I, I, this one specifically I love because I feel like it doesn't really hurt anybody and it's kind of adorable. And it yeah. might stop the mom or sister saying, you know, it really gets my goat because I'm sure if you say that seven to eight times a day, that's you just... Don't really get, you don't really get her goat? That's a You don't really phrase. get her goat? Her daughter mm-hmm. saying El Chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a parent. Apparently, yeah. And I think anytime <laughs> I think anytime my one year old repeats any phrase that it's the best thing ever. Today I told her how to say shit. So <laughs> you know Crushing it. I'm I'm probably not the greatest to ask here, but also I love my brother and sister in law. Mm-hmm. But if I could fuck with them <laughs> by teaching my nephews how to say something that would just annoy the shit out of them all day long. I would absolutely do it. I would. Am, am I the asshole? Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's possible. Uh, so what I, what I thought was really kind of interesting about this was I, I started looking into this real quick because I wanted to make sure I had a really strong understanding of what El Chupacabra is. Like I, I, I kind of know what it is. Like it's an animal that attacks and drains the blood out of goats. Uh, but in looking into it, we kind of assume when things come from other cultures that they have this kind of long and storied, you know, past. It ties into the ancient folklore of a people. But the Chupacabra actually really only goes back to the mid 90s. It, it is a relatively recent invention. Uh, there was some mention of uh, it starts off in Puerto Rico. And there, there, there is some history of uh, livestock allegedly being murdered in Puerto Rico in 1975. And that's attributed to a, end quote, El Vampiro de Mocha, AKA the vampire of Mocha, who may or may not have been a satanic cult as, as the rumors go. So, so it's, it, it's possible that there's some sort of animalistic vampire running around out there or a human vampire, or possibly just a group of Satanists uh, running around, draining the blood out of goats and, and, and other livestock. But there's another mass livestock killing event in 1995, and that's when Chupacabra actually takes off. The name is coined by a radio DJ named Silverio Perez, who popularized it. Um, And fairly contemporaneously, there is an eyewitness account from a woman named Madeline Tolentino. Uh, She is the best, the most descriptive 
Chupacabra account. Uh, and, and she is the closest to the point of origin. However, she also mentions that the Chupacabra looks like the alien from the film Species, which also came out in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> and coincidentally, she had seen the film already. Okay. And was also, also coincidentally, also convinced that the events of the films were really taking place in Puerto Rico in 1995. Ah, reliable. As a result of that, she's not currently considered to be a reliable eyewitness. (laughs) 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 Because she thinks there's an alien invasion in Puerto Rico. Since 1995, Chupacabra sightings have been reported in Argentina, Bolivia, Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, Panama, Peru, and the United States mainland in the southwest as well as from Florida up to Maine. So Chupacabra is getting around. And what I think is really interesting is in 2018, there were actually several reports in India. Interesting. Which to me indicates, yeah, that indicates that the myth of the Chupacabra is actually continuing to spread beyond countries with large Spanish-speaking populations. So this is it's becoming a thing. Like we're literally witnessing in our lifetime a supernatural horror figure, like a, 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 a boogeyman or a monster being born. I love this. I've definitely seen a lot of shows and clips of supposed chupacabras in like Texas and stuff. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, I'd love me a cryptid. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's a cryptid that was literally invented in 1995. So this monster has roots that aren't very deep rude (laughs) (laughs) what's interesting is like there there are a lot of scholars that have looked into the claims one investigator dr david morales he's a veterinarian at the bureau of agriculture and he's based out of puerto rico he ruled out cryptid attacks in 300 supposed cases having found that they had not been drained of blood which was the primary Mm -hmm. you know thing that would distinguish them from a regular animal attack A University of Michigan biologist, Barry O'Connor, stated in a 2010 report that he believes that reports in the U.S. are likely coyotes or wild dogs infected with Sarcoptes scabii, which is just, uh, I assume, some sort of scabies, uh, a parasite that results in massive hair loss, thickened skin, and a foul odor. Animals in a weakened state could venture into settled areas, because typically speaking, wild animals are going to avoid human settlement. Uh, in search of easier prey, a.k.a. livestock. And then the characteristic puncture wounds on the neck of their victims would correspond with canine teeth. And that's a normal animal predator tactic. You know, when a lion fells a gazelle, it goes for the jugular. Yeah, that's why, like, uh, sheepdogs wear those spikes around their necks, because it's the first place that a wolf is going to bite. Yep. And they look badass. And they just look so... Yeah, they look really cool. (laughs) Yeah, real goth. (laughs) So I think we already determined this guy's not the asshole, right? (laughs) I'm the asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think this person's the asshole. No, there's way worse things you could teach your niece to say. He could say, fuck you, mom. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So you can say fuck here. It's okay. (laughs) You You can say fuck. Cap, would you like to present the next topic since you indicated that you are not a candy giver outer? Wow, way to put me on blast, Ryan. Yes, I would love to. You put to. yourself on blast at the start of the episode. Now, this comes to us from a uh, great little corner of the internet called Our Unethical Life Pro Tips. So there is a Life Pro Tips subreddit, but this is 
This is the flip side of that <laughs> coin. This is our unethical life pro tips. <laughs> okay. So, uh, user browser mixsurf lurker. <laughs> <laughs> they ask, or no, they tell us, they give us like a gift on Halloween, this unethical life pro tip. Too cheap to buy Halloween candy? Put a large bowl out on your front porch early in the night that says, please only... Nope, I left a word out of there completely. Put a large empty bowl out on your front porch early in the night that says, please only take two exclamation point smiley face. Okay. <laughs> well, you're, so, supposed to, you're supposed to put exclamation point smiley face inside of the quotations. Like that has to be on the sign, smiley face. And the quotations just also need to be there. <laughs> I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. <laughs> so... Uh, they say that, uh, obviously, by this, you would look like the good guy in the situation for allowing kids to take two instead of just one, like everybody else says. And everyone who shows up will assume that some asshole kid took the whole bowl. You keep a small stash of candy inside in case someone <laughs> knocks to inform you that you've been raided and you can give them those smarties that you weren't going to eat anyway as a little bonus. But then they're a narc and they really don't deserve candy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, honestly... Just tell them that you don't have any candy and you eat the candy. Right in front of them. Just say, I don't have any mm -hmm. candy while putting <laughs> a Reese's Pieces right in your mouth in front oh. of them. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite Halloween candy? Um, Twix. That's good because you always have one to share. Oh. Mm -hmm. Though they, do, they sell the individual <laughs> Except <ones>. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't share. Nope. More unethical life pro tips. Do not share your Twix. <laughs> Nope. Or your Kit Kats. <laughs> mm -mm. For the same reason, Reese's Cups. Yeah. There's two in there. Those are both for you. Mm -hmm. You've earned it. Mm -hmm. That's why when I buy Reese's <laughs> Cups, I don't buy the multi-packs. I just buy like the jumbo-sized one. Uh, the, the Christmas tree or the pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. The one that, or, or the one that's just shaped like a, like a one-pound cup of Reese's peanut butter. Oh, my chocolate. gosh. Swim in that. I love I it. I <laughs> fuck it up. I love that piece of peanut butter. <laughs> oh, man, I don't even remember the question we're looking at. Let's get there. <laughs> so have you done this? And do you think this will work? Um, I think it would absolutely work. <laughs> Kids are dumb. <laughs> Kids are dumb. But I will I will say in our neighborhood, um, the parents are lazy and don't get out of the vehicle. Mm. So the dumb kids that can't read run up to the porch sure. and see an empty bowl and just assume that it's all gone and they're probably just sad that they don't, yeah. they don't see any, you know. And then they egg your house. Yeah. Then they yeah. Egg your house and, and their parents <laughs> hand them the eggs. And the cycle yeah. continues. Like I said, we, we are, we, we go to my parents' neighborhood and we walk around. We usually have a stroller and the stroller has a uh, drink holders. Cup holders. So we keep our beers there. <laughs> I don't give a shit if my kids get candy. In fact, that, that is my least favorite part of Halloween is how much candy my kids get because, you know, you try to keep your kids on the straight and narrow as far as health goes. And my daughter Harper will house an entire bag of candy if you don't tell her not to. So I am perfectly okay if somebody does this. It's like, oh shit, no free handfuls of candy for my kids. Not only, not only do I think that this would work, but I think as, me as a parent would appreciate it because I don't give a fuck how much candy my kids get. Uh, all I care is that they get the right assortment of candy so that I can pick out the prize pieces for myself while they're at school. The ones that they're putting drugs in. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's correct. Oh, I, can I, just. Can we just bust yeah. that myth real quick? Candy drugs, not real. They recently found a shipment of like fentanyl inside of like Skittles packs. They're not giving those to children. They're using it to smuggle the drugs in. 
Yeah, drugs are Drug- expensive. Nobody's mm-hmm. giving them to your kids for free. And and if they are, <laughs> let me know where they live because I'd like to go trick or treating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if if every other house did this, then maybe America would be a little a little more healthy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, that's a take that's I wasn't a little, expecting. It's a little judgy. <laughs> <laughs> Today on Pumpkin Talk, Katie gets real. <laughs> like, okay, if this was a different subreddit, though. I think this person might be the asshole because you don't. It's <laughs> well, like I mean, it's, this part, everybody on un, unethical life pro tips is one hundred percent the asshole. <laughs> it's like it's a thing. It is a agreed upon thing that if you turn your lights off and you like, yeah, just, have Halloween decorations up. Don't go to that you don't house. Have to lie. Not you candy. You don't have to lie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you don't have just to a put lie. A, a trap, a, a string and box <laughs> trap to catch kids in on your front porch. <laughs> they could just not come and it would be fine. Yeah, why are you 100- making them walk the extra? Like- <laughs> exactly. That's just so mean. 100% agree. I 100% agree. I do not decorate my house for Halloween. And I actually turn the lights off and then I drive to my parents' house so that my kids can trick or treat in a good neighborhood. Yeah, because you're not satanic. Well, no, I, 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 live, next to, I live next to a horse farm, so the, the number of doors that they can knock on are pretty limited. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to scare the horses. And Yeah, we don't want to scare the horses. Um, uh, but speaking of things that scare horses, I found this image on Imgur. Im, is it spelled Imgur? Im, Imgur? I-M-G-U-R? No one truly Imgur. knows. I, I think it's Imgur. Uh-huh. Lost time. But it is a folksy Depression era dude leaning on a shotgun, holding what appears to be a dead giant grasshopper that looks to be at least three feet long and probably weighs about 25 to 30 pounds. At the bottom, it says grasshopper shot near Miles City, Montana. Copyright, and it looks like a copyright logo, 1937's Cole Studio, Glasgow, Montana. Uh, so I guess my first question is, would you eat it? I mean, <laughs> no. that's good eating. I was about to say. I was, I was waiting to say. Grasshoppers <laughs> like a thing you eat covered in chocolate and whatnot. Like you can eat, you can eat grasshoppers and locusts mm-hmm. and, and similar. And grasshoppers are locusts. They're just, it all depends on whether they're in a swarm. Like a group of grasshoppers is a swarm of locusts, right? I just, I think once it gets that big, eating it becomes like. You have to. Whole thing. Like, necessary. <laughs> well, you need to do like a regular cricket grasshopper. You can just pop in your mouth and chew. This is uh-huh. like you have to do cuts of it. Like yeah, well, there has to be. Well, I, think you'd have to get, I think you'd have to get out like your, your crab claw crackers and, and just, just dig into it like a lobster. Oh, big lobster. Okay. No. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Just snap those puppies mm-hmm. off. Get that sweet meat. Second question is, is it real? No. I wish. In my... <laughs> Every- in my happiest place, this is a real picture. Yes, in my yeah. happiest place, it is also a real picture because I would eat the shit out of that fucking grasshopper. <laughs> I would just—it's like Pokemon. It, it is like Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like land prawns. Everything about this just screams authenticity in a lot of ways because I mean the 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 image itself looks well aged. It doesn't actually look photoshopped. In any the way. writing is what gets me. The writing is what gets you because that's something that they would do in you know when you, when you're dealing with a uh you, you'd etch it into the negative you know what i mean so you'd etch the note into the note into the negative or you could or you could put it on there so that that is a very dated way of marking photographs that gives it an air of authenticity so in researching this uh i found that this is part of a phenomenon of uh absurd postcards that made the rounds of the 20th century these are good this particular genre was called a whopper hopper 
and and they were printed postcards. There were a couple studios that were out there just generating absurd postcards and, and grasshoppers were just one type. So I've got a couple images here that I'm showing you. Uh, one appears to be a farmer with a giant grasshopper loaded on the back of a flatbed. That grasshopper looks to be about the size of a, about the size of a car. <laughs> yeah, that is massive. Yeah. Hauling them out. I love it. <laughs> and then the other one is a woman standing in what looks to be a cabbage field, uh, pointing a shotgun at a giant grasshopper that looks to be about three feet long. Point blank. That is significantly bigger than the one in the first picture. Also, why is she just smiling? <laughs> I would be screaming. <laughs> she loves to murder. She's gr- she is grimacing because she's going to have to take this life. Um, this totally looks like a smile. <laughs> so <laughs> she's a sadist. I don't know. Uh, but the grasshopper <laughs> in the uh, photo with the woman getting ready to shoot it, it, it looks like a like a wooden model to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's like they they were creating these pra- these things for practical effects. So I, I found uh, some additional annotation about this. So this is actually part of a, an entire genre. These are so good. So the National Museum of American History posted an article about these prank cards on April Fool's Day in 2013, uh, indicating that they were super popular between 1900 and 1917. Uh, And obviously the tradition carries on because our first example was from 1937. But we got another one with a little boy riding, riding a giant grasshopper, a man with a giant rabbit slung over his back and the rabbit's about the size of a deer. And then uh, another one with a, a bunch of guys loading humongous onions. Like these onions look like they're 200 pounds. <laughs> those are boulder onions. Yeah. Those yeah. Are. <laughs> and they're loading them onto the back of a cart. So it, it, it's kind of interesting from a, from a couple different standpoints. Uh, it ties into like American tall tales. Giants have always been a part of uh, human folklore since the beginning. I mean, uh, the oldest, the oldest written story we have access to is Gilgamesh and Gilgamesh goes to, uh, the land, the, the the cedar forest, and fights Humbawa, the giant, for the rights to chop down all the trees there and turn the Middle East into a wasteland. See, these are so like wholesome, like wholesome, like postcard memes. And then today we have teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can of yeah, teeth. Yeah, these are absolutely <laughs> these are absolutely meme images. And back in the day, you'd find a meme at the corner store, and then you would buy the meme. And you would write a special note on it and send it to your friend by post <laughs> in the hopes that they would appreciate it upon reception. So sweet. I love these. They 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 pose a fantastical world and I'm yeah. I'm sold on it. I would frame this in my house, but not that fucking teeth image or <laughs> the ripped cream. Yeah. So some some of the analysis on this uh, in that Smithsonian article uh, was was pretty interesting because they pointed out that this is during like the Dust Bowl. So. This could be seen as kind of a pick me up, but it also spoke to the, you know, the view of the uh, the American self-made tame the wilderness like America is such a wild land still. And these people are out there taming it. So I I thought that was an interesting take. But like I said, giants have always been part of our culture. And these postcards appearing in the early 20th century can't help but make me think that it might have fueled uh, similar media. So you have like King Kong comes out in 1933. It's about what? A giant gorilla conquering New York. And then I've got another still here. Uh, it's a bunch of bunnies. Uh, that is from <laughs> Night of the Lepus, uh, 1972. <laughs> and they are giant bunnies that overrun a town and eat people. I love that. 
<laughs> and then, of course, there's the classic 1997 Jennifer Lopez vehicle, Anaconda, in which, mm-hmm. and th- this image here is John Voight being killed by an exceptionally large snake. So let's go ahead and wrap things up. Um, I do have one final question from r slash no stupid questions posted by user no blueberry 3057. I think this person <laughs> may have appeared on our show before. Have they? We do a lot of r slash no stupid questions. I think they might have. I'd have to check the, I'd have to check the <laughs> they records. They have a lot of stupid questions. <laughs> and apparently have an allergy to blueberries. <laughs> so no blueberry 3057 wants to know who should I be for Halloween? 20 male options. And their options are Matt Murdock, a golden mm-hmm. retriever, a female cheerleader, <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I mean, those are the only so four good. options that you can choose from. I do not want to hear either <laughs> of you suggest a fifth option because these are the <laughs> options that this 20, this 20 year old male has. Uh, Katie, is he going to be Matt Murdock, a golden retriever, a female cheerleader, or Alice in Wonderland? It's a very wide array of choices, but I'm going to go with a golden retriever. I fucking love Air Bud. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. If you. OK, he wasn't even alive for Air Bud. <laughs> <laughs> if you could mix these in a certain way to give you everything you want. I'm thinking a D all of the above situation. Now, I personally, I've cosplayed Matt Murdock before. OK. And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. it's great in theory. And it looked good. I won't lie to you. It looked so did good. The, did you get the red glasses and everything? Everything. Yep. It looked so good that people were opening doors for me and guiding me <laughs> on which way to go because they thought I was blind. <laughs> and inherently, that has some issues to it. Yes, it so does. I, don't, I won't recommend it. If you want to cosplay Daredevil, that's different. Mm-hmm. Matt Murdock. It feels a little bad when you do it, but if you could <laughs> combine all of these things into some sort of furry cheerleader Matt Murdock with a whimsical <laughs> frill of Alice in Wonderland, I think you have just the perfect fetish costume. Like, like if you're a blind anthropomorphic dog in a Victorian era dress. With pom-poms. With exactly. pom-poms. <laughs> Uh, if I, I'm, I'm not going to go female cheerleader. That feels a little frat boy. Like I, I understand, like it's, it's overdone. It's, it's, it's way overdone. It's never, it's never done in a, it's almost never done in a, uh, in a fun, liberating way. It's almost done in a <laughs> sort of way. It's like a caricature of femininity as opposed to like, say a drag performance, which is a caricature of femininity, which is different. It stopped when Robin Williams came out as the Dallas cheerleader. That was the last time it could work and it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> But Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> was that before or after <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire? I think that was after. He like came out with the Dallas cheerleaders one time in the full costume. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to Google that to make sure oh, I didn't just have that, a good that, dream that, about that's, Robin that's, Williams. <laughs> See, that's a fun, empowering way to do it. And, and honestly, Robin Williams can kind of do no wrong in that sense. Yeah. I'm going to go Golden Retriever. I am 100% with you. Specifically, we are, we are going Air Bud, possibly Air Bud 2 or 3. I, I think that's great. What would you be for Halloween, Ryan? Uh, if I could choose to be like, I'd want to be a hero of the people, obviously. And there's no bigger hero in my life than Rick Reynolds, who has been kind enough to allow us the use of his song United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on Amazon, iTunes and Spotify. You can find Rick at Rick Reynolds on Instagram. Go check his music out. You'll love it. Cap and Katie, would you care to share any of your social media particulars? That's what people call them now. Particulars. It is. That's true. <laughs> there was a memo about it. 
uh, specifically, you can find the two of us um, with the other two hosts of Shrimp and Crits at Shrimp and Crits. We are an actual play podcast uh, where we play tabletop games and tell stories. It is very exciting and very scary. You can find <laughs> what I find most exciting about all of this is like Pokemon. I finally got them all with this episode. Katie is the last holdout. I was going to say that in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, Katie is the last holdout from the Shrimp and Crits crew. No. You've caught them all. I have to start getting folks who have guest starred on their on their premium and content. hold all our souls in your phylactery. Yeah, you have all the infinity stones now. What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't hold your soul in my phylactery. I hold your phylactery oh, for you. You're so gentle, too. If you want to find me <laughs> exclusively, you can find me on Twitter at Cap and Crits. And if you want to find our show, it is on any social media at Shrimp and Crits. That's Crits with a C. Katie, where, we can, where, where, where can we find you? I am on Twitter Twitter. I am on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter at Katie Stroud. That's Katie with a C. C A T I E. Because mm-hmm. for some right. reason people still and, and switch it with a Y. Number. Mother's maiden name. <laughs> I almost said it. <laughs> it was Sorry. very convincing. <laughs> you would have fucked up. <laughs> Uh, you don't want this. <laughs> you, you don't want my life. <laughs> Where can we find John? That their Twitter. <laughs> what? What? Katie, you know, right, Katie, just I think Cap asked you your quit your, your Twitter address. <laughs> you can tell we're at the end yeah. of the show. <laughs> yeah, feisty. Katie, mm-hmm. can we get your Twitter address just just one more time? <laughs> It's at Katie Stroud. That's Katie with a C, C A T I E Stroud. All right. Could I could uh, I be any more difficult? You're <laughs> totally fine. We're that's, fucking that's, with you. <laughs> no. We're, if it, well, I I think Cap's the difficult one. I'm yeah. being very wrong. I'm Wiley. Yeah. I'm uh-huh. a rascal. Yeah, and you can find me individually on Instagram and Twitter. I am at Foodicide. That is F O O D I C E. And you can find the podcast at Break Your Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify. No, not or Spotify. No. You can't find us on Spotify. That's it. Is the end of the episode? <laughs> two years mm-hmm. in. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Wreck Your Pod. You can also send us mail at wreckyourpod at gmail.com. Send us your question, comments, concerns, spooky stories, and tales macabre. And if between now and next week you find yourself wondering where that carnivorous pink cloud is emanating from, uh, we encourage you to remember that who smelt it probably dealt it. And you should check (laughs) yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart. And it won't change till we change. We are, but we won't. But can we tell them about the hoverboard? Yeah, the the hoverboard's fine. Sequels don't count. Makes sense. Sequels don't count. Count, get it? Is that why I wasn't invited back for the opening skit? Maybe I should have made a joke about John Hamm's dick or something stupid like that. 
<laughs> I have summoned them. Hey, are you guys talking about John Ham's dick? Yeah, I thought I heard someone name checking John Ham's burly hog. I'm 99% sure that's a love life, dude. I'm equally certain it's the real deal. Whoa, hell yeah, that's my job. So, not much good audio. <laughs> There's Cap popping a soda. It's the end. It's the end of the movie, Cap. You don't pop a soda at the end of the movie. It's a seltzer. I'm trying to get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a hard seltzer or not a hard yeah, seltzer? Yeah, no, it's it's it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it's not soft. I think the it's hardest not terribly hard. <laughs> I think the hardest part of alcoholic seltzers is drinking them. Mm, this one's water watermelon. It's delicious. If I'm gonna drink a if I'm gonna drink an alcoholic sel- alcoholic seltzer, it has to be bone dry, like the crime <laughs> skeleton from the first film mm-hmm. we watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, you know thank you everybody for tuning in for this very spooky double feature. And uh, I know I promised a new episode this week. This is kind of like a new episode. Cap, you and I have been recording for easily twelve minutes. I mean three I mean- hours. This is new content. This is new content. Not like, okay I, with that. I promise new content. This is new content. Yeah. Write a review about it. You know, it's not new content. The music of What's Rick that? Reynolds. Ah. It's classic. Classic. Mm-hmm. Oh. Look at yeah. that. Must be true. He's basically the Frank Sinatra of this podcast. Or I the Michael that. Jackson if you're looking for a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're looking for a thrill... You can do what we did and borrow his song United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on Amazon, iTunes, and Spotify. Uh, Cap, for Me? the third time this episode, I guess, can you please give us uh-huh. the most current Shrimp and Crit social media information? Oh, you can find us on all the social medias at Shrimp and Crits. That's Crits with a C. You can find me on Twitter at Cap and Crits. You can find Katie on Twitter at Oh, shit. Check the show notes. It's in the show notes. No, no, no. You don't have to check the show notes. I'm telling the listener to check the show notes. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Stroud. Yeah. And if if you don't know how to spell it, it's in the show notes. It's in the show notes. (laughs) Both episodes or this one and the last one. And you can find uh, all of my current Kansas City barbecue conquests on Mm. my Instagram at foodicide, F-O-O-D-I-C-I-D-E. You can find the show at Wreck Your Pod on all of the podcast platforms that matter and apparently Twitter. Uh, You can reach us by email with your comments, concerns, topic suggestions at wreckyourpod at gmail.com. And you can donate to our Patreon at fondlemelobster.com. Not to be confused with the OG Shrimp and Crits Patreon page, www.fondofmelobster.com. Ours is just more sexual. Mm-hmm. And if you are looking for Matt, you can find his page in the Necronomicon. <laughs> and you can find us on the Podcast Nexus Discord server. Uh, mm-hmm. You'll find a link for that in the show notes. There's lots of great podcasts there. So if between now and next week, you find yourself two minutes away from being downstairs, trying to climb onto a bus, going to a distillery for a business dinner, then we encourage you to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. By missing that bus. I'll talk to you later, Cap. <laughs> See you next Halloween. <laughs>
Oh